Yo, what's good, YouTube? Welcome back to another episode of the Shooter Straight Podcast. It's your co-host back. I'm your co-host G. Welcome back to episode 31. First and foremost, we appreciate all the previous support we've been getting on all the other previous episodes. Y'all been running it up on TikTok with YouTube Shorts and the Reels and all of that. We appreciate the support. G? Absolutely, man. We love to hear from y'all, your comments, and we appreciate the likes. You know, if you while you're down there, hit the subscribe button. We got all the links down there in the description. We really appreciate it. Help us out on the YouTube algorithm just a little bit. Yeah. And we officially, we got the Spotify up and going, you know, just now, like literally 10 minutes ago. So. <laughs> 10 minutes ago, it, it, you know, only took like what, three months? Yeah, it took like too, way too long for us to get that going. But <laughs> it's finally up and going. So, you know, tap into that if that's uh, your preferred platform. But, you know, hit the subscribe button. Like G said, we're at 354 right now. We're on the road to 1000. We appreciate all the continued support. And, you know, with all that being said, I think we should just, just get, get right into, into it. it. Yeah. So we have a special guest to talk about our first topic. It's uh, the first special guest we've had in a minute. And, you know, it's something we plan on incorporating more in the future. Without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce my good friend, Adam. Adam, how are you doing? Hello. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I've been watching a lot of soccer lately. Yeah. No, we all have. Right. It's uh, called football, bro. Don't, don't start no, this. No, 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 no. Right, it's soccer. It's, no, called, it's, soccer now. it's called football. No, 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 no. I hate those. There's two bro, There's bro. two countries that call it soccer in the knockout stage now. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He's right. No, but, oh, God, fuck off. Not for very long, but, but okay. Well, we're, we'll get into that in a little bit here. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our first topic of the day. USA versus Iran. The match has just taken place. It was a uh, demand. It was a, a what is it? A significant win for the United States, I would say. And I'm gonna go ahead and pass it off to uh, Adam first. Uh, go ahead and give your thoughts on the match. Initial reaction: um, a tale of two halves. Um, I think is the best way to describe it. I think pre-game, um, obviously the nerves were going, and we knew we had to win this game in order to make the knockout stage. And I think the the nerves were ramped up significantly. For a lot of fans when they saw the big change that Burhalter made to the lineup, which was subbing in Cameron Carter Vickers in for Walker Zimmerman, putting in a defender who really had made like no appearances for the US up to that point, and throwing him into the fire in the biggest game in the US for years. And I think a lot of people were thinking, Oh, how is he gonna do in this situation? Um, why would you change the center back pairing at this point when they've only conceded one goal in two games and the goal was off of a penalty? But um, I think he was vindicated in that decision um, after the 90 minutes, especially in the first half. I thought his distribution was better than anything Zimmerman could have given us. And it led us to, I think, controlling the ball possession, um, exactly how we wanted to control the possession in that first half. We I think we had them pinned in their, their half for most of that first half. They couldn't handle our intensity. And um, I think Carter Rickers, he started off a little shaky, but I think as the game grew, he was commanding the high line really well. I thought he stepped forward and stopped their counterattacks at the source multiple times in that first half, which led us to be able to sustain pressure on Iran um, and eventually led us to getting that goal. That goal all came from the sustained pressure, keeping them pinned in their own half and eventually just finding an opening. And then in the second half, it was just about weathering the storm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. Definitely. The second half was absolutely. It, it was it was absolutely intense. I mean, at, there was at many points where I thought Iran were going to get that equalizing goal, which obviously would have been, you know, the, the worst case scenario for the United States. G, 
G, what was your initial reaction to the match? I thought um, I thought this match was definitely, I thought when going into it, probably the biggest match these guys have ever played in their lives. Playing Going up against Iran, it being a must win. You can't draw, you can't lose. It's a must win. You have to score. And that's been the problem with the U.S. They've been, you know, they create chances. They create chances for fun. They're they're a very creative team, but they're they're lacking the finishing. They can't seem to you know get it back, uh, force it in the net just enough because I think that's what this team's really missing. If this team could finish just maybe even a quarter of the chances they create, we're talking about a dangerous team. But I think um, against Iran, Iran's a pretty good side. They're not they're not horrible. They gave a they gave the U.S. a, ch- a run for their money. I think. Definitely in the second half, closing, I thought they were going to score. They had two so golden opportunities to equalize the game. But, um, you know, the U.S. start very strong. They have that high pressure, a pressure that's hard to maintain through the entirety in 90 minutes. That's the way we see towards the end that they kind of – little waver, there's a little separation. But I think uh, the U.S. did a very good job in controlling this game. High pressure. Every – the entire country is watching, and I think they delivered. One hundred percent, I can agree with that. It was, I can agree. I think it was the the most pressure filled game that ninety nine percent of these guys have ever played. And the fact that they were able to come out, weather the early storm like they did, and they came out and they came out, you know, from moment one they came out and they looked like the better team. And I can uh, I can say that they should have looked like the better team. You know, they are the better team, but to look like the better team the way that they did, it was convincing. And you know, like Adam referred to. The tactical switch, you know, with having CCV in there instead of Zimmerman, I think it, it, it was questionable at first. But, you know, the way that the game played out, I think that he had a, a very good game, you know, like uh, Adam referred to. And I can say, you know, I think that the United States going forward, they still need to find a way to convert some of these chances that they're creating because, you know, Pulisic, he's not going to be able to bail you out consistently. And. You know, obviously now he's he literally sacrificed his his balls for the team right there. Yeah. I mean, he, he, might, the, you know, he paid the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, he, he literally no babies for him. Sacrifice. No babies. Yeah, no no babies anymore, unfortunately. Mm. But yeah, you know, I can just say that once again, the main point of this match, the, and the reason why the United States won this match was because of the midfield trio: Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, and Weston McKinney. They absolutely ran the show once again, just like they did against England. You know, this is a is a great midfield trio. They are going to be great for so many years to come. Musa, it was his birthday on the match. He got to celebrate his birthday with the win. And he, he was man of the match. He literally was player of the match. And he, he put up an amazing performance. And I think, you know, going forward, looking forward to the Netherlands, he's going to have to continue to do that. We'll get into that in a second, though. But, you know, in the second half, I knew that our, uh, Iran was going to come out. They were going to try to, you know, get that equalizing goal. And the fact that the United States was able to withstand the pressure you know, and and hold them to nothing. I think that shows a lot about the character of this team. Tyler Adams being such a young captain, he leads this team so well. And I think, you know, besides the fact that they are missing a true number nine, this team is pretty good. And they are, they've really proven themselves to me. And I think that going forward, you know, looking ahead to the 2026 World Cup, the United States is going to be a problem, you know, for years to come. I think that's the the main takeaway I have from this group stage for me with the United States. Yeah, I think they're a very well-built defensive team. I mean, they've only conceded one goal, and that's from a penalty. They've conceded no goals in open play. They seem to have a good backbone uh, and led by the midfield. I think that's probably uh, the most important thing. I would rather have a solid midfield over anything because midfield is the most important thing. It connects your uh, defense to your attack. 
if you have a bad midfield, you're not going to get very far. And yeah. the United States seem to have a very, very good midfield for being so young. I mean, yeah. Tyler Adams is 23 years old, and he's able to lead this team against very tough opposition. I mean, England and Iran. I mean, those are very important games, and they got they got the point. They got the points they needed out of those two games. Yeah, Adam, I wanted to get your thoughts, you know, about Greg Berhalter because you know, coming into the World Cup, there was a lot of uh, what is it? People were skeptical of Greg Berhalter. Some people were saying to get him out. So I just want to get your thoughts. Now that this group stage is played out, they've qualified. What are your thoughts on Greg Berhalter? So I think a lot of the criticisms from Greg Berhalter is he's not getting the best out of this group. People think that this group group is capable of a lot more. And I think people would agree and disagree with that. And I think there's still people criticizing Greg Berhalter after this group stage. I think Greg Berhalter overall has done a good job of the way he sets this team up. He sets this, he's very, the team structure is very, very good. Um, I think it's proven over all three games. I mean, we went toe to toe with England. Mm-hmm. Should have won that game. We should have, and we didn't. And they <laughs> didn't have the ball the whole time. That was pretty fifty-fifty on possession too. And I think people will cite the ch- second half. Why did we drop off in the second half? Well, first of all, I would say we didn't drop off in the second half against England. Um, I think this team needs to learn how to play with a lead. I think that's one thing we've noticed that the U.S. seems to drop off whenever we have a lead. And is that Burhalter? Is that the team's mentality? I think I would lean towards it's the team's mentality. And I think Burhalter feeds into this mentality by making subs later in the game, like we saw it with Zimmerman, with Moore. I th- think the biggest criticism that I have of Burhalter is the substitutions he's making. Um, for starters, I'd, no one knows why Gio Reyna did, only got those minutes he got against England. Um, I think that. Brendan Aronson's the Brendan Aronson subs have been non-ideal. I think that he has come on in moments where we didn't need him to come on, mm-hmm. um, especially in that Iran, especially in that Iran game. Reina should have came on instead of Pulisic for me. I think Reina would have helped us keep the ball more in that second half. I think Aronson's mentality is just go go go. Reina would have slipped, would have kept the ball more for us. He would have. Um, helped us get out of the pressure that Iran were putting us under. But um, I think I'm just going to say this. Um, I think that the people who think that Burhalter has not done a good job with the U.S. kind of have this notion that the U.S. are better than we actually are. Um, I think they, I don't think it's fair to think that this team should just be blowing away teams like Iran and Wales. Like, we're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, nah, yeah. I, like I it's kind of arrogant, in yeah. my opinion. I, I did I did want to ask you, though, do you think uh, Gio should be starting? Should Gio be starting? That's a tough one, because if you think he should be starting, who should he be starting for? I don't think you split up the midfield trio. Mm-hmm. I think the real conversation you're having yeah. is Reyna versus Weya. Like, which kind of profile would you rather have? I think yeah. if you're going to put in Reyna for Weya, you would probably have to put Pulisic on, on Weya's side. And then put Reyna on the left. I like Reyna. I think Reyna would be better off playing on the left side. But also, that's Pulisic's better side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so, I would so. say I would say Weya. You know, given what we've seen from him, you know, although in the Iran uh, Iran game he wasn't necessarily at his at his best. I would say, you know, he, yeah, he was a bit unlucky. He was unlucky. a bit unlucky with some chances. You know, he should have. You know, I, I, I think goal. I think I think his goal was onside. You know, I, I it, don't know. I mean, the line yeah. showed that he was slightly it, off. It, it, 
Yeah, no, I I don't even trust those lines they show. Like I I hate the fact that um, it's just the in, the inconsistency of the of our that they, we didn't spend even not even a second on oh is it on or is it off. It took them like thirty minutes to just the lines get made very quickly. Yeah, yeah, like it, it takes them like thirty minutes to to make up this weird animated shit to, to show us that oh look here's the uh, that he's off like. I, I would rather prefer them actually like show the actual line like somewhat around the time it happened. Yeah. And it, I I don't know. I just I kind of have I hate I have a hate and love relationship with VAR. Sometimes it's great and sometimes it's absolute sh- shockingly bad. Yeah. I I think the biggest issue with the lines they create is it's hard to know the exact moment of when to make those lines. You literally yeah. have to make the lines as the as the player is making contact with the ball to pass to the player. And it's hard to know mm-hmm. when that specific moment is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes, no, I, like, I... in the case of Waya's goal, that's a split-second moment. Like, mm-hmm. if if you think it's a little bit earlier, he's onside. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I, we're, I'm, we're lucky that it didn't come down to it. You know, ultimately, we were able to uh, keep him to a clean sheet, so it didn't end up mattering. But if it did matter, you know, I probably would have been <laughs> more mad about it than it I am. It mattered to my heart rate. No, it did for sure. You know, it did for sure. You know, I don't know. For should Gio be starting? I don't know quite about that. G. You know, I think it's tough because I, I like Wea and I think what he offers to the team is, is that I like Wea as well. He, he's very yeah. pacey. It's something that the United States doesn't necessarily have enough of, I would say, because he's direct you know, too. He's very direct. And I and I like that about him. Not that Gio can't do that, but I think he's just more of a you know, he's not really a, a, a pure winger. You know, he's not just running that and taking on defenders and with this pace. Mm-hmm. You know, he's more of a He's similar to Aronson. I think he's better than Aronson, which is, is why I, I find it a little interesting why Burhalter prefers Aronson so much. But that's neither here nor there. I think he should be coming on as a sub. You know, at the very at the bare minimum, he should be coming on as a sub. The fact that he only came on against England is concerning to me. And I don't particularly see that changing, which is is the the worrying thing for me. Like if Burhalter has not shown that he wants to bring Gio on. In the group stage, I don't see any reason why that's going to change. Looking forward to the Netherlands game, so it's 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 unfortunate because I think Gio is a really good player. You know, yeah, he's great for Dortmund. Yeah, I mean, and that's he's, he's European proven, and and it's unfortunate. I would say. I think yeah. if you're gonna bring Gio Reyna in, you're probably gonna want to switch something like a four-two-three-one, you know, which is something that Burhalter has never really played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he's it's always been four-three-three ever since he got appointed. Which is a little weird because he was a four-two-three-one coach at the Crew before this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why the switch in international play when four-two-three is probably a harder formation to coach and you have less time with players? Yeah, I mean it's interesting, but it seems to have worked so far, you know. But and I think, but I think part of the reason why it does work is because of the midfield trio of Adams, McKinney, and Musa is so good, so box to box, it can do it all. I mean, Musa, McKinney, and Adams—they all can get the ball and, and drive, but they can also defend as well. And I think that's what makes this midfield trio so good. And, and they just have a work rate. They just nonstop, especially Tyler Adams. He will go the full 90 <laughs> nonstop. He's absolutely unbelievable. And the American you know, for Kante. me, he's probably he's been the American Kante. Yeah, he's literally, he's like the American Kante. And I know that there are so many European clubs that are going to be looking to, you know, he's on, he's on leads right now, but he's there's so, leads, many bigger, yeah. so many bigger clubs, you know, they're going to be trying to he's poach him away from the He's going to go to a better team. It's inevitable. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. But looking forward, you know, the United States now, on Saturday, they play 
the round of 16 game against the Netherlands. And, you know, this is probably the biggest match of, you know, I, look, Iran was the biggest match in these, these guys' lives. Well, now it's this one. Now they're playing the, the real biggest match. And this is for all the marbles, pretty much, you know, it's win or go home at this point. So what is, well, I don't know which one of y'all wants to take this first, but whichever. I'll, I'll let Adam take this one. What is your expectation for this match? And then ultimately, you know, what do you think will happen in the match? What a score? Um, so talk about the Netherlands, our opponent. The Netherlands are a team that have very much surprised me in this tournament. Mostly, not necessarily because they're better than I thought, but because they're kind of the exact opposite of what I thought they were going to be going into this tournament. I thought they were going to be a team that was controlling the majority of their games, but was going to lack that cutting edge in front of goal. And in the three games that we've seen, especially against Senegal and against Ecuador, they haven't really had control of either of those games, but they had that cutting edge that I thought they didn't have. And that's because of the player they have up top, Cody Gakpo. Mm-hmm. Who, um, if, you, if, if he gets a half chance in this World Cup, he's scoring right now. Yeah, Ga- Gakpo's like, scoring like, in every single game he's played so far? Tied for the Golden Boot lead right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's on, like he's on fire right now. Um, the Netherlands have been ruthless. And he's like, 20, what, 23 years old? He's, re- he's, he's super young. Yeah, all the big clubs are going to be calling for him now. The Netherlands have been absolutely ruthless in front of goal i mean they've created i think like four big chances they scored five goals the u.s have created five big chances scored two goals so that kind of shows the difference between these two teams in front of goal right now um still a very hard team to score against i mean that's a what you would expect with a team that plays five defenders and one of those defenders and one of those defenders is virgil van dyke yeah and they've only conceded the one goal in the tournament just like the u.s so logically, this sounds like it's going to be a very low-scoring game, but we've seen crazier things in soccer. Sometimes you think it's going to be low-scoring, all of a sudden you got a four-three game. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to predict. I think that the U.S. can get at. I think if the U.S. can get at them, I think the Netherlands all are vulnerable, though. Especially mm-hmm. against Ecuador, we saw the Netherlands get outshot fifteen to two in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think. If the U.S. does come out and they do high pr- and they are aggressive with their pressing, I think that the U.S. has a great shot in this game. They can make this game very competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. So, uh, what? So, what would you say if you had to take a guess right now? What What would the score prediction? The score prediction. Um, I think the U.S. are going to find it hard to score, like they've had in all games. Um. Um, I feel like I have to back the U.S. though, right? I mean, you, you got to die on the sword. I have to back us, right? So I'm gonna say, <laughs> I think we'll get one in the first half because that's kind of been our half. Mm-hmm. And then the first, we'll yeah. fall back a bit in the second half. The Netherlands will get an equalizer, and then we'll nick one late and win two one. Okay. Okay, two one okay. win for two, the one. United States. Who, who scores the winner? In normal, who scores the winner? What do you think? Um, Who are you back in? It's a Weston McKenney header. Weston McKenney. Oh, he's a, he get the header. Okay, Actually, so that might be okay. a good. Get, Weston McKenney might be taken off by then. Yeah, know, okay, he usually gets like subbed off the 16 minute. Yeah. I think is a bit. You know, I mean, it's something. I, I honestly, I expected Weston to be doing better on the set pieces. That was the set piece uh, delivery so far. This World Cup hasn't been that great from a uh, Pulisic specifically, but 
Weston, he always scores headers, you know, especially for Juventus. So I don't know. I expected him to maybe bag one by now. Get one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big worry I have with this team in knockout soccer is that defending and attacking set pieces where we have not been good, mm-hmm. like especially against Wales. Wales somehow did not score off one of the corners they had. Yeah, they created I remember the yeah even even the England game they, they keep such a high line, even off corners. Mm-hmm. Like oh, we're we're not a very aerially dominant team. Like even mm-hmm. that center back pairing that I was praising earlier between Reem and Carter Vickers, they won less than half of their aerial duels in that game. Yeah. And you know, Reem, he's had a great World Cup, though. You know, so yeah, I, and, and to, to much surprise, you know, especially to me. Look, I didn't think Reem was going to be you know this this good, you know, for the for this team, but he has been. So, gee, I'll pass this one off to you before I go ahead and give my expectations to the match. You know, what do you think oh, uh, going into this game, the United States and the Netherlands? I think I think it's going to be a pretty ugly game. These are two pretty solid defensive teams, and I think it's just going to be, you know, the the U.S. in the first half is going to put them on them. They're going to be all over them, but I think they're going to struggle to create as many chances that they been have they've been creating, and I don't think they're at they're clinical enough to finish the little chances they would get. I see this one, you know, um, U.S. starting off strong, having a somewhat dominant first half, and then second half, like like Adam said, take probably taking a step off, but. I have it being a nil-nil and going to penalties. I I have a feeling this is going to be the one to go to penalties. And if it's going to penalties, I I got to I got to back the US. As much as much as I've been giving Zach shit, you know, off 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 camera about how the US are going out. With penalties literally anything can happen and I think uh, the U.S. players have the moxie to get by on penalties. I think I think they'll they'll get it. If I were to pre- predict it, I think I think U.S. Uh, U.S. just don't miss a pen, and I think they just save one from Netherlands. All all it takes is the one. So I got the U.S. going through on penalties. That would be that's a that's bold, you know, considering how young this team is to to have that moxie, as you say, to be able to win on penalties against a, a somewhat experienced Dutch side. You know, that would, that would be incredible. I would say. But you know, if it does come down to I think, shooting, I, I, think I, they, I trust Matt Turner. Yeah, you got to trust Matt Turner in that. Matt situation. Turner yeah. is a beast. So, look, you, you know, I have to agree with both of y'all. You know, for all the points that both of y'all made, I think it, it's it's fair. I think I can agree with G that it is going to be a slightly ugly game because both of these teams are very strong defensively, and you know, the, the Netherlands dude also do have a great midfield, but the United States has prided itself on its midfield so far this tournament. So I think this match comes down to if the U.S. can win the midfield battle once again. If they can win the midfield battle and be dominant with their midfield trio, they're going to have a good chance in this match. I think there's not going to be many chances for either either side, and that tends to bode well for the Netherlands, considering, like Adam said, they've been so clinical in front of goal with their chances that they do get. I would anticipate it going to extra time. I think it's going to be 1-1 after full time. You know, like... uh Maybe the U.S. gets a goal in the first half. Netherlands get one in the second half. It goes to extra time. And I have it going to pens as well. You know, I think that it's going to be tough for either of these two teams to score. They're both going to get a goal, but it's going to be tough. I don't see this uh, being a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. I I don't really see either team being able to score two or three goals. You know, it's going to be a a simple 1-1 going to penalties. And then, you know, like we already reiterated, if it goes to penalties, you got to trust Matt Turner, especially with the tournament that he's been having. 
He's one of, if not the best shot stopper at the World Cup. So I have to back Matt Turner. Give me the U.S. on penalties. 5-3 on penalties. Simple as that. 1-1 one, one after full time. 1-1 one, one, or and then 5-3 on penalties. I think it's good. It's it's going to be a, a, an ugly game, but I think that suits the United States. Do the Netherlands have Tim Krul yeah. this time around? Do they have Tim, Tim Krul? Krul. <laughs> I, I think isn't Tim know. Krul like 40? Yeah, yeah, they I, probably don't, right? <laughs> they don't have him on penalties, so they no, don't, they can't win a penalty shot. Yeah. Time. Probably I, not. We're going to have uh, your boy Babs on, bro. I, I, I like the, I like the little Babs things. Well, no. <laughs> gonna, I, I, think, I, think, uh, I think we could both, me and Adam could both uh, assure you that, you know, Babs would be the most <laughs> deluded fan for the Netherlands of all time. <laughs> I mean, he thinks that, he his, thinks that Depay is winning. delusion has no end. Bro, the, Depay's got a shot, bro. I mean, shit. Depay. Like, the pie is not scoring. I, I can 100% guarantee that. Your stamp on a guarantee on that? I'm putting the stamp guarantee look, look, on Memphis Depay. A, a guarantee by, by Zach is almost like a kiss of death, dude. I, I I remember even going far back as like even when, you know, Dembele first joined Barcelona. I'm not, I never forget that shit, man, where he's literally Dembele is playing horrible for Barcelona his first season. And then he guarantees me going into the Chelsea game when Barcelona played in the Champions League that, I told him, Dembele's going to oh. score this match. He's like, no way he does. And then he scores a screamer. And I was like, bro. But, so, that, you know, if, if, I were a bet, if I were a betting man, if I if I work at Vegas right now, I, the odds just went up. And now you're betting score. on it to buy golden boot. You got to bet? I'm, I'll bet on it. But I, I put my hard earned money on it. He couldn't even score against Qatar. <laughs> I won't be betting on that. Guitar. But trust me, I have stories of Zach jinxing things. Yeah, yeah well, no, Zach, Zach's the worst City, jinxer. Right. Not the Orlando City, really. But oh, no, we don't need to talk about the this. <laughs> oh God! But, Please, God, no. Adam, I wanted to get uh, more in-depth thoughts about your thoughts on Matt Turner so far this World Cup. Damn. Well, we knew coming into this tournament that matt turner was a great shot stopper he was very good at all the fundamentals of being a goalkeeper claiming crosses but i think a lot of people have been surprised with his distribution this world cup and the ability with his feet i remember in world cup qualifying whenever the ball would go to matt turner's feet i think every u.s fan's heart stopped like they didn't trust him with the ball at his feet especially when there was a player nearby him but i think he's slowly calming the nerves of those people like i remember um Again, even against Iran, against Iran, he had one point where he had the ball on his left foot with a defender pressuring him, and he kicked the ball into the middle. And I was like, "No, what are you doing?" And then it ended up just going to McKenney wide open. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, he saw that," and that's when I was like, "And that's like," and I was like, "Okay, this guy is good with his feet now." He, he's starting mm-hmm. to get it. He's starting to get Maybe it. Maybe he starts for Arsenal now. That's what I was going to ask you because you, <laughs> okay. you, you hinted at it. Do you think Matt Turner should be starting for Arsenal when the World Cup is over? Mm, don't I would not throw him into the starting eleven like off the rip because you don't you don't want to change what's working right now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know Arsenal top of the league. The smart answer, yeah. But um, I mean, if yeah, if Ramsdale's shots poor shot stopping, like if shot type takes a downturn, like it did the last season. I mean, Matt Turner, maybe Arteta thinks maybe we should go for Matt Turner. Mm-hmm. Maybe see if Does Arteta the ability with his feet is good enough. 
Just uh, no, I, I no, yeah, like no, he does. I, I, but yeah, no, yeah, no, but yeah, it, it it would it would take a huge tournament for him to do that. I mean, especially with him being top of the league. But I I would agree with Adam with that. Yeah, it it would take yeah. Ramsdale just to fall off a cliff. Yes, I, I mean, some to... Arsenal fans are not happy with Ramsdale. I think that's why the question was posed. And plus, you know, Matt Turner having a good tournament so far. So, dude, how, how can you be happy with not being top of the league, dude? That's some like Arsenal fan shit. I've never, I, I never heard that in my fan. life, I think bro. I'm extremely pleased with it, you know. I wanted he's to the top of the league. Go back to top of the league. You guys are saying because you guys Wait. both had the U.S. getting through extra time uh-huh. in your scores. I do mm-hmm. not like our chances in extra time. You don't. To be honest, because I think we've seen with our players that the fitness levels just aren't there with like the top teams, mm-hmm. and like against England, for example, in the second half, it seems like at times England's just had superior fitness levels to that of ours, and I just feel mm-hmm. like in extra time, the Dutch fitness levels could play a massive factor, especially because we have not seen Burhalter use his subs well. I could agree with that. It definitely has. Definitely, the subs haven't been used well. I, I, I just think, I find it hard to believe that we'd be able to hold the Dutch to a clean sheet. And I don't think, you know, if they score, you know, obviously we're going to have to score. And I don't see us scoring like two, three goals or whatever. So, you know, I, I, I see it, it. It's either going to be, you know, 1-1, like I said, or, you know, it's going to get to that point where the fit, fitness levels may uh, play a factor. And then the Dutch, you know, they ultimately sneak a goal and you know hopefully that doesn't happen i have to back the u.s that's i think that's why i uh i lean towards the way that i lean you know going with extra time here yeah i I just don't think uh, the the netherlands have the firepower to do that you know that's why i put the u.s winning normal time yeah 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 i mean look (laughs) if if they can score two goals that'd be that'd be great you know the problem is they've only scored two goals and throughout the whole group stage so you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. And plus, <laughs> yeah, given, doing one game now. Given uh, the Netherlands playing five at the back, anti-football Van Gaal tactics, you know, I don't know. They're going to be difficult to break down. I don't know if I'd call it anti-football. If, anytime, I think, yeah, I think anybody that plays back, five in the back is anti-football. That's like a sin. It's like a cardinal sin, bro. You play five in the back, you literally deserve just to, to be like publicly executed, dude. But it doesn't operate like a five it's in the like, back. When it's just... Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the Netherlands obviously they are slightly more attacking than the average five at the back team, you know. But it's it's the it's it's the overall five at the back concept, you know. I it, I don't I don't like five at the back, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's what it is I'm, for me, you know. I, especially on defense, bro, it's so annoying, man. It's just like so why break down? It, <laughs> it's, just put everybody behind the ball, man. I'm like Jesus. Yeah, it makes sense, but it's like obviously it's more of like a from the middle factor like i don't you know it's like from watching it just as a neutral kind of not the be- greatest thing to watch but like if my if my team were just doing five back and it was working i wouldn't give a shit though to be fair yeah no, i could agree with that yeah but when the netherlands formation yeah. if you if you play if you play that like correctly and in the best way possible it's not a defensive formation Mm-hmm. Just in my, it's not meant to be a, a formation in which you just sit back and counterattack the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And well, I don't well, think that's well, how Van that, but, but you know, the problem with the Netherlands is that they're not creating the chances. You know, so I don't know. Yeah. So it's, it kind of does kind of seem what 
it feels like it falls into that because they're not score they're not really scoring that much. So like it would kind of seem like they just sit back a lot. But I think they don't necessarily sit back a lot. It's just they're they're kind of trying to break teams down and they struggle to break teams down because they don't really have, you know, like kind of like the US, they don't have that one nine. I mean I, I don't know how to tell you. Depay, Depay, they ain't doing it right now, man. But they don't have, they don't have you know? Robin and Van Persie anymore. That's for sure. No, definitely yeah. not. They got to get them back out there. Like they did back in they the day. Van Nistelrooy. The Netherlands have always had iconic nines. But they do have Gakpo, though. They do have Gakpo. They do have Gakpo. He's not bad. So, He's pretty good. Any final words about the U.S., Adam? Um, U.S. can the U.S. just needs to go for it. They need to press high. They need to try and control the game with the ball as much as possible. And if they do those things, especially in the first half, the grab a goal. Anything, the grab a goal. In that second half, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. The I, U.S. I, has a real chance this Saturday. And. A chance to make it to the farthest that they've ever gone in the World Cup in my lifetime, even though I was one year old mm-hmm. when we made the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Didn't exactly see that. Yeah, no, me either. Couldn't you couldn't you know, get I'd that like on the table? I'd like to see that. I, I would love to see it as well. And all three of us have it happening, you know. I will say, you know, maybe a little bit of it is that. Uh, I don't think any blind fandom. Bias. But... I think it's all logic. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think it is... absolutely no bias, you know. It's all logic, 100% all logic. <laughs> like I, I, it's like a math equation in my brain. I worked it out. The U.S. is only winning. Yeah, yeah. 100%. If, if, if I'm a betting man, bet the house on him. Go to Vegas right now, bet oh, the yeah. house. Oh, Jesus. United States middle line, go bet the house. It's happening. Fair. It's fair. But um, I think that's all we got for the U.S. And, you know, we would like to thank my good friend Adam for coming on the pod. I, I doubt it would be the last time, you know, it was yeah. a student's great debut. Hopefully it's not the last, you know, uh, you did good, you know, and uh, we appreciate you for coming on. And thank you for Absolutely, having me. Um, I enjoyed talking about the U.S. with you guys. And um, who knows, hopefully this isn't the last time. Well, hopefully we'll hopefully be able to. Hopefully next uh, time we talk, we, we talk, yeah, we'll, we'll be, about we'll the be looking at a bit of a Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Ho- hopefully we'll uh, make it. Uh, We're playing Argentina. Exactly, we're going to be playing Argentina Jesus. in the quarterfinals, or, or Australia. Maybe Australia. You know, I can't say I can't say Argentina <laughs> for sure. I, I can say Argentina yeah. for sure, but that, that, that's okay. Yeah, tough. I'm not going to say Australia. Australia's not making it. Sorry, but, Aussies, you know, bro. You're not going very far. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely not. But it's going to get clipped when Australia wins and they make those <laughs> montages of anybody. Look, 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 look. If if Australia win, dude, I will shave my head. I'll go bald. Oh, not that's bold. Oh, we got happening. the recording. There's no way. It, it, this is, this yeah, is important. This, it's going, this, it's this going on YouTube, Spotify. Dude, I've, I've been growing up my hair for like, what, fucking two years now, dude. It's, but it's not happening. It's not happening. It's yeah, not it's, happening. I don't think it's happening. Aussies are going home. Yeah, they're, they're, well, you know, because, you know, the mess, the, the goat messy, you know, he's going to lead him to glory, but it's neither here nor there. Yeah. But like I said, we appreciate it. Yeah, Appreciate it to Adam for coming on. It won't be the last time for sure, especially I think we'll, you know, when the, when the United States win, we know it, it'll he'll come back on. So I can say that. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for having me. For thank sure. You, Zach, thank you, G. For sure. No problem. No problem, bro. See you next time. See you. Take care, buddy.
Okay. First time we had had a guest in a while, you know, so it's good. And now we're back in things. Uh, It's nice bouncing shit off, you know, off someone. 100%. But moving forward, we have. That's not completely delusional, you know? Yeah, no, I I can agree with that. Moving (laughs) forward, we have the other match that uh, just took place, just took place today. And a big match. Yeah, a couple couple hours ago. Lewandowski, Argentina versus Poland. It was so key, this match. It was high stakes. Argentina needed the win to top the group. Ultimately, they were able to get the win. 2-0. G, what was your initial reaction to this match of Argentina getting the win? It's it's huge. Absolutely huge. Going, going into the next round. Argentina looked... This is the best performance we've seen so far. They're getting better. And this is what we alluded to after that Iran loss that they kind of needed that loss to set themselves up for this, this game, they came out in Poland. They were just on Poland. They put it on them the entire time. Poland couldn't breathe. Realistically, Argentina were creating chances from the opening five minutes. They already had a shot on goal. This is the Argentina that we expected the entire time from the, from the get go. We didn't really get it, but now we're starting to see it. It took a little bit of a change, you know. Uh, they decided to bench um, uh, Martinez, which you know I, I thought was a bit of a head scratcher for a sec, but it turned out to be not not a bad play. And mm-hmm. they they came out very strong, and they, they were able to uh, the snag the lead right at the beginning of uh, the uh, second half. I thought they they should have scored the should have scored in the first half. You know, a bit unlucky with the penalty. You know, a pretty poor penalty, but. Um, <laughs> They are this this game had Argentina written all over it. Poland are just bad. They are just bad. I don't I don't know how they've even been able to sneak out of this group. They're just so poor. They can't create chances. Lewandowski could barely get a lick of the ball. I I it's it's shocking. I, I I'd have to look it up, but I I would doubt he had more than more than a handful of shots on at all. This his entire team. I, I'd be surprised. I don't know if Lewandowski had a shot on target. And when you have a, a nine like that, and you can you can't muster really any clear cut chances for him, you're not going very far, and it's just it's unfortunate. But you know, props to props to them. They made it out of the group. You know, they they don't really get the the chance to to go this far really in in the World Cup. But you know, f- fair enough to them. But um, yeah, this this game was Argentina's coming out fully. That that even coming off that loss, they finished top of the group. And this, I mean. It didn't change from what we predicted. I said Argentina would finish top of this group, and that's what they did. Oh, 100%. I can agree with that. This game was so, so important because if Argentina somehow managed to to bottle this game and they finished second in the group, France was calling their name in the next round, the round of 16. Yeah. That could, that could not happen. Argentina needed to win this game, and it's exactly what they did. From minute one, they commanded this game. They, they set the tempo. They were dominant the entire first half. You know, they got a little bit of a lucky pen. You know, ultimately, Chesney, who had an amazing game, was able to make the save. But even after Messi did miss the pen, it just still felt like Argentina, they were just, it was inevitable that they were going to score at some point because you thought potentially Poland were going to gain some momentum after the missed pen and create some more attacking chances. But it just wasn't the case. They could not create anything. Lewandowski, he had zero shots the entire game. He only touched the ball 36 times. And most of the time when he was touching the ball, he had four defenders around him immediately because they just hoofed it up to Lewandowski and hoped he could do something. 
But when it's four v one, you know, and he's running at the defense, he, he can't do anything. You know, it's Lewandowski. You know, what do you, what do yeah, you think? No. He's messy or something? He, he ain't doing that. It's not his game. They cannot even get him the service to score. You know, Lewandowski, he's a striker. He's a, he's a true number nine. He needs some service. Poland, they aren't getting him any service. They, they cannot even do anything. Ultimately, I don't even know, like you said, I don't know how they've even made it out of the group. You know, they, they have been extremely lucky to even make it out of the group. But fair play to them for being able to do so. But literally, Szczesny was the only really good player on the pitch today for Poland, you know. And it's not Lewandowski's fault, you know. He didn't really do anything wrong, per se. He just didn't get the service. Szczesny had an absolutely amazing game. But my focus is on Argentina. This was for sure their best game of the tournament, in my opinion. From minute one to minute uh, 90 or whatever, plus stoppage time when it ended, they dominated the game. They looked at the better team. Messi, even though he missed the pen, he looked engaged into the match the entire time. He was always getting on the ball. He was able to you know, connect play like he always likes to do. Di Maria had another good game. Uh, DePaul. It wasn't wasn't a good game by any stretch of the imagination, but he played better than he had. Well, it wasn't horrible. Yeah, he wasn't horrible. He played better than he had in the previous two games. McAllister, he was able to get the first goal. He had a good game. The only player for Argentina who I could say had a, had a game I wasn't too impressed by was Acuna, but even he was that was mostly in the attacking half because no, he, you know, he yet in yeah, the first half he had a, a very good shot on target that was just just wide of the yeah, post. Yeah. And you know? my complaints with Acuna were just because of, of him in the attack, but it wasn't anything defensively, which is ultimately what you main yeah. or main your main duty as a left back, you know, is is, de- is defending. And Poland weren't creating any chances. It was just Acuna wasn't quite getting it going in the attack, and he was kind of, you know, he had one good shot, but then he was also some loose touches here and there. But ultimately, even he didn't play a bad game. This uh, Argentina defense, they didn't really get tested per se, but he looked solid, and. You know, Enzo Fernandez, who had scored the banger goal against Mexico, he had a good game. There is literally no complaints from this Argentina team. You know, from from the goalkeeper to the striker, everyone in between, they all played good games. They were solid, no mistakes for the most part. And, you know, coming into the match, it was a questionable decision by Scaloni to start Julian Alvarez over Latoro Martinez, who, you know, Latoro has proved himself for the national team time and time again in the Copa America. And, you know, also in the World Cup, he hadn't scored a goal, but he had been a crucial part of this team. And in this crucial, crucial game, Scaloni starts Julian Alvarez. And Julian Alvarez is a great player. You know, Pep Guardiola, uh, he signed him for a reason. He likes him for a reason. And he proved himself. You know, I, I wasn't too worried about it, but some people were. He ended up scoring the the the, the icing on the cake goal that, you know, sealed the yeah. deal 100%. And even before that goal. He looked dynamic. He looked like a guy who, who who was eager. He was hungry, and he was able to yeah, you know, really his, help. His pressing is what really stuck out. Just yeah, how no, he, he pressed. Was press. and he was doing things that Lautaro Martinez simply doesn't do for this team. Not that Lautaro is bad. Not that he shouldn't be playing. But I think Julian Alvarez has has stuck his stamp in there. Like, okay, now is more of a debate. Who do you play, Lautaro or Julian Alvarez? And I'll pose the question to you. And you know, we'll probably get into you know. Uh, their uh, next game against Australia in the round of 16 here. But in their mm-hmm. next game against Australia, do you think uh, Julian Alvarez should be starting over Lautaro Martinez? I believe uh, uh, Julian Alvarez will will be starting. You know, Lautaro has been unlucky. I mean, he had a, a chance to score in this game. You know, a bit, a bit of a rough angle. The, you know, Chesney was able to, to come out and make it very tough on him, but it's something you you would you would think Latara would be able to finish, but he's really needing that one goal to you know get his confidence back. But you know 
for this Argentina team, he he just seems not to be doing what needs to be done at the moment. Like they need a lot of pressing, and that's what Alvarez does. He he goes and he and he presses, he presses, he's constantly running because I think he's got a little bit more legs on him. He's a bit younger, I believe. Not by a lot, not to say Latero's old or uh-huh. nothing, but it's just not his yeah. game. Latero's yeah, a bit of a you know a, a yeah, like uh, Latero Martinez, he's a bit of a poacher. You know, he he sits there and he and he waits. Uh, he waits for the ball to get get his feet so he can finish, but his finishing's not quite there. And you know, if the one thing you have him there to do to finish and he's not doing it, then what do you necessarily have him out there for? You know, I think it's it's important that you that they keep playing him, keep coming him on, uh, keep bringing him on, because you're going to want him to somewhat get his feet wet. Because I think you're going to need him. When you go against, you know, the, the topper echelons against Australia, you don't really have to worry about, oh, Latara Martinez is not firing on full cylinders. I don't know if we're going to win. It's just that you sub him on at maybe halftime. If you're not going to start him, you bring him on at halftime. Let him see if he can get a goal because realistically, you know, I think Jul- uh, Julian Alvarez, uh, what's, I keep forgetting his name. Julian, Julian Alvarez. Ju- Ju- Julian Alvarez. I keep every time I forget his first name. But, um, I think he's going to be good to be Australia, but when you're talking about like the upper echelons, like you know maybe at the end maybe a France or maybe a Brazil, you know I would prefer to play Latero Martinez because Martinez is beaten in Brazil, he's beaten those top teams, and he's won a Cup of America, you know. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, I would say you know keep try to get Latero more warmed up, bring him on a halftime, but yeah, so start Alvarez. Well, I can agree with that. I think for this next match against uh, Australia, that Julian Alvarez will be starting instead of Lautaro Martinez. And honestly, so far, based on what I've seen from the World Cup, it's deservedly so. You know, Alvarez hasn't had as many chances as as Lautaro Martinez, and he scored a goal. Lautaro has not been able to. And Lautaro was unlucky to score that kind of offside goal in the first game against Saudi Arabia. Maybe it was an offside. Whatever, that's neither here nor there. I think... Given what Julian Alvarez is adding to this team, you know, with the pressing, with uh, he's more of a he's able to get on the ball and he can like he can drift and he can play more of the wing, you know, and he can allow Messi to kind of play that center forward role. He can play a, a, a true striker. He can do more things that Lautaro necessarily can't do, and I think that is is important to this Argentina team. And I think all things considered, he should be the starter for now. But I can also agree. You don't want to just completely get Lautaro fold completely. You don't want to do that, you know, because you're going to need him at some point. It's going to become a game when you're going to need a goal and you're going to want to bring on your proven goal scorer, someone who's done it in Syria, someone who's done it for the national team in Copa America, and you're going to need Lautaro Martinez. So I think against Australia, you you, you start Julian Alvarez because he deserves it. And based on what he's been showing, he, he obviously does deserve it. But you bring on Lautaro Martinez and you let him get his opportunity to continue playing with this team, continue playing with Messi, and, ha- and get some chances to score. I think it's one of those things his confidence isn't at the as, as high as it needs to be right now. I think he needs to find a goal to get his confidence back. And it's tough to you know get a, a game to to get that confidence back. You know because in the World Cup, it's so do or die. But you know given yeah. the opponent here, I think you can get away with subbing him on at halftime against Australia. And giving him a full 45 to, you know, potentially score against Australia. Ultimately, the question is going to be past Australia if they are able to move on 
what do you do then? Because it, it's really experience versus, you know, the youngster that has proven himself so far. Mm-hmm. You know, are you going based on, you know, what he's done in his career with Lautaro Martinez? Or are you going to go with the guy who's been doing it right now? He's on, who's on good form, Julian Alvarez. That's going to be the question for Scaloni. And it's going to be tough. But it might not come down to that because if Lautaro Martinez is able to find a little bit of his confidence back against Australia, I think it's no doubt who's going to be starting. But if he doesn't score and he continues to miss clear-cut chances like Lautaro Martinez did today, it's going to be a debate. And it's going to be interesting to see exactly how that plays out. I wasn't expecting it because, you know, even though I, I rate Julian Alvarez highly, Lautaro Martinez, he's done it for so long for this Argentina national team. I didn't know yeah. he was going to get dropped. I didn't expect it. But now that it's happened, you know, it, it's something that you can't quite go back on necessarily. So it's gonna yeah, be interesting to I, 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 would, I would agree as well. Yeah. You know, but, I, I, I really highly rate Lautaro Martinez. I really, I really like him as a striker, but it's just that he's hit bad form. So, and it's, you know, and he's, he's you know, hit bad I, I like. And and I think uh, Scaloni, I, I respect it that he's willing to, you know, not be like other managers that are that don't really care if, you know, certain players aren't playing well. That prefer to play players that they just personally like, above them, even if they're playing bad. If even if they're not, you know, what you need right now, you know, he's willing to make the changes, and he does make changes in in mid game. He makes tactical changes. He's 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 watching the game and he he's paying attention and I think that's that's another thing that Argentina are really benefiting from that they have a guy like him that's really making a difference because I think if you have if you just have like um, you know the past managers that they've had before they would be struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know th- there are a lot of managers in the World Cup who struggle with making those tactical decisions and making the right substitutions like we just uh, got done talking about with Greg Berhalter. U.S. have been doing good, but the substitutions, you know, they've been off, in my opinion. And, you know, you look at Garrett Southgate, you know, we, we know we know what's going on with him. But Argentina, yeah. they are lucky to have a manager like Scaloni who is not afraid to make the big changes. He's not afraid to do what's best for the team. He's not afraid to do something in the middle of the game if he sees something is not working. You know, ultimately, you know, his, his tactical changes might not have worked against the Saudi Arabia to make a comeback in that sense. But since then, they've been spot on. And they've gotten them to win against Mexico, which they desperately needed. And it got them a crucial win against Poland. And now they're set up for the, with a beautiful, beautiful match against Australia. And I think, you know, like you never want to say a match is clear cut. But, you know, to me, and I think to you, this is looking about as clear cut as any match in the round of 16 might be looking. And I'll go ahead and get your overall thoughts on the game here. What is your expectation and thoughts going into this match? Australia versus Argentina, round of 16. I think it's going to be really important that Argentina take this take this seriously. That you know, it's Australia. Yeah, you know, to be fair, they're not going to be they're not they're not France, but um, you know, they have to take them with with seriously because you know anything can anything can always happen in knockout football. It's just how it is. But uh, I I do I back them to you know see this game through, and I see them winning comfortably. I mean. They've been. They finally caught the form that we expected them to have from the get-go, but now you know having that Saudi loss, understanding that everybody in this World Cup is here to play. I mean, re- realistically, there's like nobody that's just gonna roll over and just give it to you. And you know, I think that they're gonna go into this game very strong. They're gonna come out with that same pressure they came against Poland, 
and they're going to win. I would say I put about three nil on it. You know, three nil. I I got yeah Messi scoring. I got Messi scoring one, and then you know I got mm, who else got that? You know, you know, fa- fancy. I'll I'll give Di Maria and, Ju- and Julian Alvarez. I get that trio. If Julian Alvarez is able to score again, it's going to be real interesting, like we said, going forward with that uh, number nine position for the Argentina national team. But uh, I 100% agree. It is very, very important that Argentina takes this as as serious as possible. Take take this game against Australia like they're playing France. You You have to put at it with the same intensity. You have to look at it just like they've been looking at these previous two games against Mexico and Poland to win or go home at this point. It is all or nothing. And I think... Given the situation our, uh, Argentina have been in, you know, losing their initial game to Saudi Arabia and then having pretty much two must-win games back-to-back against solid teams in Mexico and Poland, even though they're not the greatest, they're, they're solid. Similar to Australia, they're, they're solid, but they're not great. And given yeah. that they've already played two must-win games, I think that they are going to take this extremely serious. I think that they're not going to take this opponent lightly, and I think that bodes well for Argentina. They're going to... You know, put their foot on the gas from minute one. They know they're the better side. They're going to pretty much, I, I expect it to go very similar to this Poland game, except for the fact that Australia don't quite have uh, Chesney in goal, who, who, what a World Cup he's had so far. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, he's been saving them. Yeah, exactly. So I think that it is going to be very Argentina possession based. They're going to create a lot of chances. And ultimately, they might not score their first chance and they might, it might take them a half. It might take them 30 minutes to finally break through, but they are going to break through. And I don't see uh, Australia creating too much. You know, they might have one or two chances. I think they probably offer a little bit more going forward in terms of what we've seen so far than potentially Poland do. But that's not saying much. You know, Poland, even though they have one of the best nines yeah. of this generation, they just don't have the, the the support around them. Australia, you know, they have some quality players, but they're not quite, you know, going to have that killer instinct. And they're not quite going to be able to hold enough possession against this team to create that much. So it's going to bode well for Argentina. I think they're going to have a lot more shots in the game. They're probably going to have much more possession. You know, we're looking at probably 70-30 in possession or something like that. And yeah, probably something like that. All of that just leads for an Argentina dominant win. You know, and if I had to put a score prediction on it, I'm going to go ahead. It's going to be it's going to be uh 2-0. It's going to be 2-0, you know, and 2-0. I think uh I don't see Australia scoring. It's just Argentina's defense is very solid, very, very strong. And they they've gone two straight games without conceding. I mean, other than the what what the five minute blunder against Saudi. Exactly. I mean, they this is this is a very good good setup defensive team. This is what they were going into the World Cup, and I still believe that. The 100%. only things were they get a little little shaky. I mean, like with every team's their set pieces. I mean, they they gave up a, a very, very clear chance to Poland. I mean, Poland's only good chance came off a set piece, a header that was just wide, I believe. Oh, I, I can't name the, the defender right now. I think he's leaving my brain, having a fucking brain fart. But that's there was they're literally their only clear clear chance was off a set piece. And I think because mm-hmm. um, Argentina are starting to, you know, their defense is starting to step up a little bit more. But that's the only thing that I think – where it could get a little bit dangerous for them that from set pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. And that goes with any game, you know, set pieces are so, so crucial in knockout football. And, you know, that's going to be something to watch going forward here. But I don't think that this particular game is going to come down to that just because the gap between these two teams is just too far. And I think it's just going to be a very comfortable, you know, uh, win because I think Argentina, they find a way to score early. 
And then, you know, from there, they kind of not necessarily cruise control, but they're just going to be able to continue to hold possession. And, and at a certain point, Australia are going to have to come out of, the, of whatever defensive shell they are in and go for it a little bit. And that's when Argentina are going to be able to pierce through the uh, back line of the soccer rules of Australia and, you know, hmm. find a way to nick that second goal. And ultimately, they'll be moving on, hopefully to be playing uh, the United States. However, it could be the, the Netherlands in the quarterfinals. We'll definitely be, could be. We'll definitely be talking about that potential matchup when it does come. But uh, I think that's all. You know, for uh, Australia versus Argentina, it's pretty clear cut and cut and dry. I would say. Yeah, and we we but, did mention France, and I think that's a good little segue into what we would in the fact the that, next and, matchup and, and against Poland, who just obviously played against uh, Argentina, and they didn't yeah. quite look convincing. And I think, look, if they, playing Argentina and then France back to back, you know, it, it's it's tough. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's not that's not ideal. But. My question for you, do you give Poland any chance of, of pulling off uh, one of the biggest upsets and beating France? Last time I, I gave a team no chance to turn out to be a draw. But, you know, I'm willing to die on that sword. There's just no, there's not a chance in hell that Poland even sniff this, this French team. It, not that I'd say the French team's untouchable, but to Poland, they're untouchable. I mean, Poland just don't create enough chances they just don't and i doubt they're going to be able to create very many more against the french i mean the french did kind of take a, a little foot off the gas against tunisia but that was a game that really didn't matter they already qualified it, it they already, you know and, and and yeah they they there was five changes at the starting line. I, I i don't really take that game as like any anything against france i mean you know it just shows that probably not going to ever play those make those five changes actually you know it tells you about what uh, what changes you're going to make probably after you know like sub sub wise but a fully fully uh running french team is going to run through this poland team i think it i'd be surprised if it's not more than two mm-hmm. I, i'd be surprised you know if it's anything less than two then it's going to be you know i think it's a good measuring stick somewhat to you know how how if if France beat them, how much they beat them by because Argentina were, were able to dominate this team. And if the French somewhat have some type of struggle against them, that's going to be to me, I'm going to look at that and I'm going to take that, you know, like, Oh, if they're, if they're struggling against Poland, then, you know, but I doubt that I doubt they do. There's, there's not a, really a shot. This French team is really good. And I, I, I'm still, I'm still high on them making the final again. And I, I think it's not going to really be not going to be much of a much of a challenge for him, you know. Well, I I, I tend to one hundred percent agree with you there. This is about as cu- cut and dry as a round of sixteen matchup could possibly get, in my opinion. And this is no disrespect to Poland, but France are just miles better, in my opinion, in pretty much every position. No disrespect, you know, you, but disrespect. You 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 know you can respectfully make the argument disrespect. That, you know, no, yeah, pretty much. Besides Lewandowski, there is not a single. <laughs> Poland player who is even sniffing the French starting 11. It's just quite simple. And their tactics, I, I don't back their tactics at all. They're going to come out and be very defensive. It's pretty much, they're, they're going to take the same blueprint that they, they did against Argentina, which got them a 2 0 loss. And they're going to try to execute the same way against France. And I don't see it working. You know, they're going to try to be sitting back and pretty much create zero chances. And I, honestly, I feel like they're just going to be trying going, going for the nil nil all the way to penalties and hope they can uh, find a way 
And I, I don't see that working. You are never going to be able to hold this France team playing uh, so defensive and, and absorbing so much pressure for 90 minutes, potentially 120 minutes if it even gets that far to extra time. It's just not going to happen. You know, given that they, they, they've even, France, have they've even given uh, some of their stars that little extra bit of rest, which I think might play a big role. I think, you know, they, they rested Mbappe yeah. and they were able to rest a lot of those other players. I think that those guys are going to all come out firing. I expect Poland to, to concede early in this game. I think Mbappe probably nicks one very, very early. And then from there, it's going to be, you know, c- cruise control. And France are going to easily win yeah. this game. I had to put a score prediction on it. I'm going to go 3-0 France. You know, I don't think Poland, they are even going to get a sniff of the French goal. And France are just going to, you know, pretty much dominate this entire match for the most part. It's pretty cut and dry for me. And it, it's going to be, obviously, I'm going to watch it. I'm excited to see it, you know, still, even though it's not going to be the most exciting Absolutely. game. But like I can say, I think it's going to be boring to a certain extent because it's pretty cut and dry what's going to yeah. happen. I don't give Poland much chance. It's football. It's soccer at the end of the day. So you're not going to give them no chance. If, I had to put a, if I'm putting percentage on it, 90% France, 10% Poland. But, uh, uh, but my score prediction, three, give me 3-0 France pretty, pretty convincingly in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd have to agree with that, you know. And uh, I think with that, with that one, there's really not much else to really touch upon. We, we agreed completely on that one. You know, go, going into another one where I – the next, the next matchup we're going to speak on, I want to get your a little bit of your opinions on because it's Senegal versus England. And mm-hmm. England, coming off their, their final game, made a couple changes against Wales that looked like they were pretty good. So I wanted to get your ideas of England going into this matchup against the Senegal team. I think that this is going to be a very interesting game because we've seen pretty much England in the group stages they dominated Iran and they dominated Wales very convincingly. And then they played a very poor match against the United States. And in my opinion, the United States was the second best team in this group by a, a good amount. Even though the United States weren't able to do that well against Wales, they are much better than Wales. It's just the facts. So in the only game that the United States or that England played a kind of somewhat decent opponent, they, they capitulated. They didn't play their ball. They didn't play how they want to play. And... Mm-hmm. I would put Senegal on a very similar level with that. Oh, Senegal without Mane, I put them on a very a similar level to the United States. Maybe slightly better for Senegal, you know, because they have some world class players, but it's not too big of a difference. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this game plays out. I think Senegal, they have a very strong defense and they're going to be tough to break down, you know, led by Koulibaly, who just scored his first international goal. It's going to be very interesting to see that it's this English attack versus this Senegalese defense. It's going to come down to that, I think. Um, for England, it's going to be for me, how does their lineup come out? I think that they have some lineup, uh, question marks at this point. And I think we're going to both give uh, our, our kind of projected lineup in a second here, but I think there are some clear changes that should be made for England, you know, kind of going forward. And if these changes are made, you know, some proper attacking changes, I think that England should win this game convincingly. In my opinion, I don't think Senegal without Mane have the the attacking firepower to really give this England team a true test. You know, I think that this English defense, even though on paper, you know, you might say, oh, it's Harry Maguire. He can make some mistakes. For England, he seems to be a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, that this he plays defense, very good for yeah, England. This English defense is going to be able to slam the door shut on the Senegalese attack without Sadio Mane. And I, I find it hard to believe 
it would be anything other than a convincing England win. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. And especially after the, the Wales performance where, you know, the Gareth Southgate actually showed looked look like he showed something, you know, finally choosing to start uh, Phil Foden and he played Marcus Rashford. And who, who would have thought, you know, who, who would have guessed Phil Foden had a great game. Phil Foden put in an absolute masterclass along with Rashford. Rashford and Phil Foden played brilliantly. They played so well that it's, it's brought up questions. Are they now undroppable? Do you not start them? Because I I just I it it, it would baffle me more if at, at least Phil Foden doesn't get in the same light. I, I think after that game, it's already proven that there's not a there's not a stratosphere, there's not a planet, there's in this galaxy where Sterling should be playing over Phil Foden. That's not that's just not happening. Even if Sterling was 10 years younger, there's not a chance. This this guy, this Phil Foden, I I just love how this kid plays. He plays absolutely brilliantly. I love I love his style of football. I love his way of play. Just how how what he does for the single team is 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 great. His finishing, his created his creativeness, it's just everything that they need because that's what England seem to struggle on. Sometimes they need a bit of creativity that they're not creating the chances. And I think that's what this guy brings. I think that's what Phil Foden brings. Mm-hmm. And I like what they bring on with Rashford because Rashford can play on that wing. But he can also slot in the middle. He can go. He he can play striker, and that's something I think Saka can't really do because sometimes Kane will drop back, but then Rashford can go and fill in that spot, and and take it take that number nine role. Something Saka I don't think can. Do. Even though Saka's playing very well for Arsenal, look, that's probably the hardest thing leaving this game. Saka or Rashford? Who do you start right now? Rashford's on untouchable form right now. He's he's unplayable. Right, right, right now you you just you you have to play him, and when Rashford gets hot like this, you know this is something that you know I wish we saw from him all the time because it, it reminds me back when he broke out in 2017. This this guy that like who he was destined to, to uh, you know be on top of the world, but just inconsistency. But when he when he's firing, when he's playing, Marcus Rashford is available. He's he's a he's brilliant. You know I I love watching him when he's on form. Mm-hmm. And you know it's going to be interesting what Garisali does because, you know this this Senegal team they're they're a tough team they're a tough team to break down they they have yeah. a you know they've 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 gone it they've won they've won it on in in the continent you know they they are continental champions, and um, I I think they're going to be a tough team to break down, and I would say, you know if I were to you know put a score prediction on it I think it would be a two nil you know. Depending on if they if they if he if uh South Gareth Southgate starts Phil Foden, I say two 0 If he doesn't, then I see an ugly one one nil. Yeah, for me, I I can agree with that. It all comes down to what is this lineup going to look like. And I wanted to get a you know a kind of a predicted lineup per se from both of us in a little bit, and it just actually just in a second here. But mm-hmm. I can one hundred percent agree. I think that if Garrett Southgate plays the correct players. I think that this is going to be a, a dominant England win. However, do I have 100% belief that Garrett Southgate will not just revert back to what we saw against the United States with the kind of the, a very similar lineup to that? I, I don't know. You know, I think that Garrett Southgate kind of knew that the Wales game didn't mean much for them. You know, they were going to win the group kind of regardless. And I think that's kind of why they rotated some players per se. 
But in my opinion, the guys that they rotated might have been better than some of the original starters. So that's what yeah. puts some question marks for me. Like, what lineup are we really going to get from this English team? It's something that, you know, at this point in the tournament, you probably like to have your clear-cut lineup, you know, all uh, dusted and, 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 you know, on the chalkboard by now. But England, they don't quite have that. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this team plays out. Um I have my kind of predicted lineup, but I would like to see. I don't, uh, I don't know if you – I'll go first if uh, you want me to. Yeah, you, you go first. Yeah, you go first. So if, I, if I'm Garrett Southgate, if I'm Garrett Southgate against Senegal, this is the lineup that I'm playing. I'm playing a 4-3-3. Cause I think – or a four, uh, either, either way, whether they play a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, uh, you yeah. use the same players, in my opinion. It's just – I don't know. So for me, goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, no doubt. Left back, Luke Shaw. Mm -hmm. The two center backs, Harry Maguire, John Stones. Right back, Kai Walker. Keep the same defense you've been playing. It's very strong. They do the job. Center mid, Jude Bellingham. Center mid, Declan Rice. They have been doing amazing this World Cup. And then get me Phil Foden in this midfield. Get me Phil Foden in this midfield. Do not put Mason Mount back in this team. Look, I love Mason Mount. I'm a Chelsea fan. I've got the kid on right now. But Mason Mount... He's not on form right now. He's not doing what Phil Foden can do. And we just saw Phil Foden get one opportunity against Wales and, and, and immediately gets, uh, gets a goal. Mason Mount has been putting up disaster classes so far this World Cup. He's been putting up horror shows. He's been making the English fans cry. You know, he's been, he's been making them he's, boo. He's just kind of not. Yeah, he's kind of not been there. He's not been, he's not been doing what he needs to do. And ultimately, he seems to be one of those players that Garrett Southgate kind of favors. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see what they do. You know, because will he revert back to Mason Mount or will he put the guy who's on proper good form, Phil Foden, in? I do not know. But if I'm Garrett Southgate, give me Phil Foden. And then this front three, this is where it gets interesting here. Give me Saka on the right, Rashford on the left, and then give me Harry Kane at striker. You were saying, you know, who are you going to play, Saka or Rashford? Give me both. Get Raheem Sterling out of there. And give yeah, me... Absolutely. Give me Saka, who is who's, who's on amazing form for England and Arsenal right now. He scored two goals in the opener against Iran. And then give me Marcus Rashford, who right now is tied for the lead in Golden Boot with three goals. He's on amazing form. And then Harry Kane, the, the, the distributor that can do it all. He can score, and he can also link up the play. Like a true number nine. He's so I, good. I think, yeah, he's finally starting to develop that, where he's, he's truly a, a very good nine, that he's able to drop back and link up yeah, play and i think that's something we haven't really seen from harry kane that much because we've always known him as the you know as the goal scorer as the as the leading marksman but you know even when he can't get it going that's what that's why i like to see you know comparing to latar martinez that you know if you're not firing on goal scoring then you know make up for it in something else and that's what harry kane's doing for this team but you know i'll, I'll let you continue no, 100%. And that's my that's my lineup. That's what I would play. If I'm Garrett Southgate, that's the lineup that I'm bringing out here. And whether or not you play a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, you know, they played a 4-3-3 against Wales and the other two games they played 4-2-3-1. Either way, these players can play either way, you know. Probably, you know, you would want Rashford a little bit higher up the pitch than the, uh, being a left winger rather than a left mid. But he can play there. He's played there for Manchester United. He He's done the job there before. And I think, you know, it, it's... If Harry Kane wasn't around, you probably play him at striker based on how he's been firing right now. But you're just not dropping Harry Kane, are you? You know, he's the captain. You're just not absolutely dropping him. Not. So, but <laughs> yeah, but absolutely not. with that being said, you have to find a way to get Rashford into this team because of how good he's been playing. You just have to. And I said it coming into the World Cup. 
get Raheem Sterling out of this starting 11. I don't care that he was, was your main talisman along with Harry Kane last World Cup. I don't care that he had a, a decent Euros. All I care about is current form and what's been going on right now. For Chelsea, he wasn't quite firing that good coming into the World Cup. And so far in the World Cup, what has he done? He hasn't really done anything. So you have to trust the guys who are actually firing right now. Saka, Rashford. Those should be the wingers. No doubt in my mind. Absolutely. I, I would have to agree with that. You know, I, I, I think... Um, here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was about to harp on that. That, you know... I, I think we almost agree on every single player. The only thing I would I would personally change, I think it's not something Southgate would do. I would start a 4-4-2. So I would stick with Pickford and Goal, Maguire and Stones, Kyle Walker, and Shaw. You know, keep the defense right. Then mm-hmm. in those two midfield spots, you, you you have Jude Bellingham and Declan Rice because those guys are young enough to keep that midfield. They can run a two-man midfield because I think they, they both have the engines and they both have the box-to-box capability to do that. And on the right mid and left mid, on the right, I would take Saka. On the left, I, that's where I'd put in Phil Foden. I put Phil Foden in there as a bit of a free mm-hmm. room. Let, let him, you know, go in between the midfield and the attack. You know, ha- have him that free range. And then the two strikers, I would have the pairing of Harry Kane and Marcus Rashford. Just because I think Marcus Rashford is a better striker than he is a winger. And the 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 way that I would, would picture this team up is that Harry Kane would sit back a bit more and let Marcus Rashford be be right there on on the uh, on you know on the last defender. Let Harry King uh-huh. get the ball. Let him try and feed Marcus Rashford, or if not, let him feed it to uh, Phil Foden. Let him switch it to Saka. Having that more of um you know a two a two punch striker duo, I think would would work a lot better, especially with Rashford being on form right now. And I think it opens up. But you know, unfortunately, like hearing these lineups, like creating this lineup. I, I literally think both of the lineups we said those those teams win the World Cup even even against like uh, Argentina or even against France if they play this lineup and we know how good these these players can play how gifted they are how how great they are individually that that that's those teams easily can win the World Cup easily without mm-hmm. a doubt but I just know <laughs> that's not what we're gonna get it's not what's gonna happen. He's probably going to play, uh, you know, Gareth Southgate's going to play a 4-3-3. And if I were to guess, he's probably, you know, going to play Sterling. He's going to play, he's going to play Sterling. He's going to play Saka. Because he's going to play Mason Mount. If I, if I, yeah, he's going to play Mason Mount. If I were to put myself in in the the brain of a very boring man, you know, I he's probably looking at this as, a, okay, you know, our last game was against Wales. It didn't really matter. Now we're going to a serious, serious, you know, round of 16. Time to put in the veteran, Sterling, who's been here and done that. You know, Saka, who I, who he just likes more. Mason Mount, who he just likes more. I think that's what he's going to do. And, you know, it's going to be the, of the detriment of England. And hopefully, you know, I don't even know if I if I want England to get by. I mean, if, if, they're, if they play this lineup, I kind of hope they lose just so we can finally, you know, Stop letting Southgate get by with media- mediocrity. I, I, I'm tired of it, man. I'm tired of him just getting by, you know, playing these shitty tactics and playing these, you know, not the correct 11s that, you know, a normal person would, you know, you you give anybody that actually watch. Does get does Garrett, does Garrett Southgate watch the Premier League? I, I really question if he watches the Premier League at this point, just because just even the fact that Madison can't, sniff this team like james madison 
is he's he, when you talk about creativity, he's one he, he's such a creative player. He is. And every time I watch this England team, that's where they struggle. They struggle in creativeness. Look, I was surprised Trent actually got to play. Like I I, I, I had to like check. I had to check outside, I had to walk outside a little bit and see if the sky was falling. I couldn't believe Trent was getting minutes played. And it was nice to see Kyle Walker's back in fit. Hopefully, you know, you know, uh, he's he can get back to a hundred percent. But you know, this England team, like like we said, going into the tournament, they have just every. I feel like a broken record talking about it. That they just have more than enough talent to win this World Cup. It's their golden generation. This is the best shot they have, and you know, it, it hurts my soul to know that uh, that it's possibly is going to get wasted yeah we we, we we talked about that before like this this golden generation of english talent potentially being wasted again uh similar to the you know the previous one with you know david beckham and steven gerrard and frank lampard but you know the fact that this generation is getting wasted because they prefer garrett southgate to manage this team rather than anybody else it's appalling to me and i would i would be shocked I, not even just shocked I, I would have to go outside and 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 see if the sun is imploding, if if, if Earth is about to blow up, if if he plays Phil Foden, if he plays Marcus Rashford, if he plays these guys who I think he should play, I I, I won't believe it. But I'm gonna grab the lottery. I just know, I just know, you know, like you said, we're gonna end it's up getting, happening. we're gonna get pretty much the lineup that England played against the United States, even though they played terrible that game. I just know it's pretty much going to be that lineup with Kyle Walker in there instead of uh, Trippier because he's actually healthy now. It's pretty much going to be a, 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 the same lineup as the United States game, just with Kyle Walker. And I would be shocked if it isn't, just even though, even though, you know, I said what I would play, and I would love to see this lineup. I think whether or not you play, your, your if, lineup if you know, was was, yeah, like your lineup was actually very attacking. And as soon as I heard what? Phil Foden in the midfield, I was like, no shot. No shot. No, 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 no shot, shot in hell. There's no shot. No shot in hell. But you got a better is, chance though, of winning the fucking Powerball, bro. And in my opinion, given the fact that you have Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham in the midfield, I think you can get away with playing Phil Foden in the midfield. You know, I think you can get away with it. But yeah, you just absolutely. know you, you just know that Garrett Southgate isn't doing that. You know he wants to play more defensive football. For for God knows why, I, I don't know. But you know that's what he wants because to do. Because how that how that th three-man midfield would work, you have Declan Rice as the guy that sits back, Jude Bellingham as the box-to-box, -box, and then you have the attacking flair, the guy that you know is, sit, is more involved in the attack, can connect it. It makes sense. It's just, you know, when you're drawing up what you want on the midfield, that's how you picture it. Those, those three roles, that's how usually all-time great midfield work. But... I, I don't I don't know. Maybe Mason Mount is like the second uh coming of uh, David Beckham or some shit. Maybe I just don't know. Maybe I need a new TV or something. I need glasses, contacts, laser <laughs> eye surgery. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe Mason Mount is doing some stuff in training that you know we don't <laughs> see that that he's like, oh my god, I oh, gotta they, get they got they got to they got to release the footage. Is this guy like just doing just doing like uh, some madness or looking like Ronaldinho or something? Like what is he doing he, he in must, the training camp? He must That's be him like uh, he's undroppable. He must be doing some Ronaldinho skills mixed with uh, Ronaldo uh, bicycle kicks and all of that. You know, Ronaldo he's, finishes. He's looking like uh, the best English midfielder that there's ever been. You know, he, that's the only thing I could imagine because 
that the way that uh, Garrett Southgate puts this guy, I think he's the first name he puts on the team sheet. When he when he's making the because, like, 11, I, he's, it's Mason Mount first and Mason, then everybody okay, else. Okay, Mason Mount's in it. Like I, because I don't get like um, I'm str- I'm tr- I've been trying to sit here for like the past like 10, 15 minutes that we've been talking about this. What exactly does Mason Mount do that's better than Phil Foden? Like, this, well, this is me. This is me as a Chelsea fan. Like Mason Mount hasn't been on great form this season in general. So like, if you're just looking based on what what's been going on in the Premier League coming into the World Cup, Mason Mount has not had a good year so far. And in terms of just player versus player, who is just who's playing better? You know, it's obviously Phil Foden. But then skill set, who has a better overall skill set based on what we've seen throughout their careers? Phil Foden, he wipes the floor with Mason Mount. He just does. I can't even. Yeah, I can't even see out of the points in like maybe you could say you know oh Mason Mount drops back more. Does he? I mean, does he? Because so. like, because like the only thing I could think of like people say oh like Phil Foden's too attacking to play midfield. I mean, then what's Mason Mount? Mason Mount doesn't even attack that well, and he doesn't Mason defend Mount, that well. What is he? That what does he do exactly? Yes, I'm saying that that's my thing. He's not offering to offering you that much uh, defensively, but then his forte is he dropping okay. back more? I don't, I don't like you, you, like Mason Mount. He's hanging his hat on the offensive side of the ball, on p- picking the right passes, playing good passes to Harry Kane, and also potentially scoring goals. He's not scoring goals. He's not picking the right passes. He's losing the ball in midfield. Like I don't understand how you can see the success Phil Foden had, even though it was on the wing against uh, Wales, and then look at Mason Mount and say, "Yep, I'm going back to you." What has he done to deserve this? <laughs> What has he done? I don't, I don't. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. It's like un- the only thing undefend- I can think of is that, yeah. it, it, you know, given the fact that Phil Foden for Manchester City does play on the wing a lot, not quite in the central. That's the only thing I can think of. He, you know, maybe Southgate is yeah, thinking, like maybe yeah, he has some, there's, yeah. there's there's only a, there's only so many spots you can play. Uh, there's only so many winger spots. You know, like there's only two wingers, and you know, there's so many good wingers on this team. You're looking at potentially Rashford playing on the wing. You're looking at Foden potentially playing on the wing. Sterling, yeah, uh, Saka. There's so many guys who could play only two positions, and he's thinking, "Look, Phil Foden, he's not always in the midfield, but he, he like he when he started from Manchester City, he was like he was a, a center attacking mid. He was he was a midfielder. Yeah, I, a I think that's central. I think that's really what he plays the best. But I think so he's as well. Just that, I think I think he's yeah, forced to he's play out wide in Manchester City because of the the depth of Man City. But yeah, like if, if Manchester wasn't I mean, as good he's as not better Kevin De Bruyne. No, that, 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 exactly. But if if yeah, if exactly. Kevin De Bruyne wasn't there. Phil Foden would take a spot. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But for, for some reason, Garrett Southgate doesn't think that this guy can play centrally or something. I, I don't know. I think everyone <laughs> with a with a brain can know that. Look, for a central midfielder, give me Phil Foden. You know, for a central attacking midfielder, give me Phil Foden. But you know, Garrett Southgate thinks otherwise. And this, I'm wearing the Chelsea shirt. The Chelsea fans might be mad at me for saying this, but Mason Mount is not good. He's not that good, especially this season. Mason Mount has had his flashes. He's he's a good player, but based on current form, he's a solid he's player. Not, he's he's decent. He's, very, he's decent. He's a very yeah. solid player, but he's just not quite on good form at the moment. And and just the whole season, there's no reason. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying you you never bring him on again. You, you know, you put him into the bench with Trent, and you, you never bring him on. No, you can sub him on. He offers something, but there's no reason he be, should be starting in such a a critical, crucial round of sixteen match. Yeah, because just the, on the simple fact that it's not disrespectful to you know back back maybe a couple of seasons ago this was a conversation because they were both young they both you know basically came up together, mm-hmm. but 
it's we we've seen the separation. Phil Foden has taken that next step, and Mason Mount hasn't. And not to say Mason Mount's a horrible player, but you know he just he isn't of the upper echelon. He's a very he's a very good player. I probably hold him up there, you know, maybe with a Declan Rice. Just Declan Rice has a role in this team, and Declan Rice does that role. But Mason Mount doesn't necessarily have a true role in this team, so that's why mm-hmm. it's not really working. And when it, you know, Phil Foden, obviously we re rate Phil Foden very highly. So when you're comparing like a guy that I think is the third best player on this whole England squad, you know, yeah. arguably on his day, he's, he's top two. And obviously Mason Mount is nowhere near that for me. So, it, yeah. I mean, it was going to come off of like, you know, it's somewhat disrespectful, but. I mean, it's just the level of Phil Foden, of of how good this guy is, but not the same. Mount's horrible. I just don't think there's there, there's there's not there's not a walk of life that Mason Mount does anything better than Phil Foden. It's just at this moment, there's nothing nothing has shown me that yeah, Mason Mount does this better than Phil Foden. One hundred percent. It's not a total knock on Mason Mount by any stretch of the imagination. It just goes to show that the depth of this England team and how how solid it is and why they should be a World Cup contender because they are loaded in pretty much pretty much every position. And the fact that you can have this debate between Mason Mount and Phil Foden, a lot of national teams would love to be able to have this debate, you know, who you should be playing, who should be on the bench. Look, Mason Mount starts for pretty much almost, uh, you know, for a lot of national teams. I'm not going to say every single national team, but, you know, he's not getting yeah. into the Brazil side. He's not getting into France or whatever. I mean, to be fair, he's probably better than Griezmann right now. So maybe he does get into France. He but. could. I mean, right right now he could get in the Brazil team. I mean, I'd play him over Fred. They started Fred the other the other game. I mean, <laughs> I would, I'd play him over Look, Fred. I mean, I don't think that's a, that's a crazy thing to say. But the, you know that's that's a debate for another time. But, but yeah, the that's, point a consen- is, yeah, that's a consensus. Of the, the point how, is how that so many national teams is. would love to have a Mason Mount, and the fact that England are blessed to have Phil Foden and Mason Mount, it's not a knock on Mason Mount. It's just Phil Foden is the better player on better form, and he's he's more clinical in front of goal. He's able to play the killer passes. He can do everything that Mason Mount can do, but better. So there's no reason he should be on the bench. Yeah, absolutely. And you know we've sat here talking about Mason we Mount a bit of that, yeah. ten minutes. No, no, no. We've we've talked. My point where I was going with that. We've talked about these two guys for for ten minutes, pretty much, saying why Phil Foden is better. But come well, come Sunday, I think when they play, we know how it's gonna. We know how it's gonna be. Yeah, we Mason know. Mount, we know what's gonna Mason happen. Mason Mount is gonna be in that starting eleven. It 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 doesn't hurt the dream. It doesn't hurt the dream. Look. We could be Doesn't wrong, matter. and we, and but, we you know, I'll, uh, if, if Phil Foden is in the starting 11, it's going to be a convincing England win, I would say, you know, because Garrett Southgate has turned a yeah, corner. Yeah, you know, absolutely. he wants to win. But we will have to see. It's going to be very interesting. <laughs> uh, Southgate decided full, that he wants to win, so he plays Phil Foden. The, the full knockout stage predictions for us will be coming out uh, Friday at some point, whenever the full uh, – full bracket is finished you know we're gonna have another episode coming out mm-hmm. uh once the full bracket is finished so that we can get that out so we'll be touching back on these games before they happen but um i think we'll that's see, it we'll much. see which ones we got wrong which ones we got right yeah yeah you know especially you know we did our got a, got a couple of things wrong yeah 
we did our pre-World Cup prediction, but it'll be good to get our uh, just in, just our knockout stage prediction, and we'll be, get our, that bracket going and see, uh, you know, see what changes for us, you know, who we have going and how far and, and all, things of that nature. It'll be good to touch on that. It'll be coming uh, on Friday, I think. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I think that wraps it up for you know football. Exactly. This football now time to switch it to American football. Yes, you know, the act, the you know the other football, which got when I, I sat down and thought about the name, it kind of doesn't make sense for the for the sport because I, I mean your foot doesn't really touch the ball that much in American football. Like how much? How many times is actually what? Like what, three times, maybe four times when a game. The kicker, when the kicker got it, you know. When the kicker, yeah, the when he punts it, it kind. Dude, I, I I read that somewhere. I was like, you know, that's a fair point. The, the name kind of doesn't make sense, but you know, that's besides that's besides the point. It is, yeah, yeah. That that's what the British will say. You know, if they're if they're, if they're still British. watching, the British would say that. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. The name, you know, it's football. You know? <laughs> the sense doesn't make sense. Yeah, come on, man. But uh, we have we had some good games that are played were played last week, but. You know, we want to look forward to this week of the NFL season. Week 13 it is now. We are getting so, so close to the playoff time. And, you know, these are the games that are pretty much do or die at this point for a lot of teams. It's deciding not only who's going to make the playoffs, it's going to decide who's going to be seated where, who's going to be the number one seed, who's going to be, uh, you know, be able to get a first round bye, who's going to be able to uh, cement themselves as a division winner. These games are so crucial at this point in the season, and I think it's time to get into our Week 13 predictions. Absolutely. So, Week 13, NFL Pick'em. Let's go. Bills versus Pats. Give me the Bills. I got the Bills. Packers versus Bears. Give me the Packers. Give me the Packers. Steelers versus Falcons. Give me the Falcons. I'll take the Steelers. Jets versus Vikings. I got the Vikings. I got the Jets. Of course you do. Jags versus Lions. Give me the Jags. I got the Jags. Titans versus Eagles. I got the Eagles. I got the Titans. Browns versus Texans. I got the Browns. I got the Browns. Commanders versus Giants. I got the Commanders. I got the Commanders. Broncos versus Ravens. I got the Ravens. I got the Ravens. Dolphins versus 49ers. Give me the Miami Dolphins. I got the Dolphins. Seahawks versus Rams. Give me the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks. Chargers versus Raiders. I got the Chargers. I got the Chargers. Chiefs versus Bengals, AFC Championship game rematch. Give me the Chiefs. Give me give me the Bengals. Colts versus Cowboys. I got the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Saints versus Bucks. Gotta go with the Bucks. Go with the Bucks. Look. I never know necessarily what you're gonna pick, but I'm a little bit shocked. I must say, I'm a little bit shocked. There were there, it, there it, were a lot of a games there that I, I was tossed up because this week of games, I will say, compared to last week, especially, but just you know, you don't need a comparison. These games this week are looking fantastic. 
We've got Thursday night football tomorrow. Really, really good. Yeah. Recording. Bills versus Patriots. That's going to be a fantastic game. You got Titans, Eagles, two really good teams going at it. You got Dolphins, 49ers. You got Browns. Look, I'm going to be watching the Browns and the Texans play because it's Deshaun Watson's first game back. I got to see Deshaun's back. You got uh, Chiefs, Bengals. That's going to be a great game. And I mean, there's just so many. Yeah, Jets, Vikings. There's so many. And then Dolphins, games. 49ers. Look. If I if I had to choose one game that I want to watch the most, I want to watch Dolphins 49ers so bad. And just that's because why I think. Well, no, what I was gonna say, that's why you know we're gonna talk well, about this well, game in more in depth. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think saying? the the first one we 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 disagreed on. I mean, besides Steelers Falcons, I think that one's just a 50 50 somewhat game. I think it can go whatever. Jets Vikings, I think. Obviously, I'm picking the Vikings. I'm betting on my boy Elijah Moore. We you saw we saw a resurgence. Yeah, the Jets. Did I say the Falcons? Fuck, fuck me. You said you said you were picking I mean, the I mean the Jets. Did I? Oh my god. Okay, no. Obviously, I'm talking about the Jets. I picked the Jets to win that because I saw my boy Elijah finally emerge. He's back. Number eight. You got take take Zach Wilson. Sit him on the bench. Send him home. He's done. You know, and anybody with the name Zach cursed don't want to see him ever so i got uh it's it and i think it's fair see number eight's back gotta feed him and i think they're gonna be just enough you know i think sauce got something sauce got something for jj he's got something for him does he bro does that's a matchup i'm gonna want to see he's got something. i do want to see that matchup as well but I, I look it, it's gonna that's gonna be a very interesting matchup because sauce has pretty much done very well guarding every receiver in the league and not oh, just rookies or not just uh you know the second receivers he's pretty much been guarding every team's main receiver and justin jefferson is going to be obviously the vikings main receiver he's going to have to guard and not many uh corners are able to do so you know pretty much zero corners in the league are are very good We're, at guarding justin jefferson at pretty, you know what i mean so it's going to be interesting to see how that matchup goes i i i think this is going to be you know, not not to be a lot crazy or nothing, but you know, it's these are two guys we're going to be seeing going at each other for a very long time. I mean, Toss Gardner's rookie, and Justin Jefferson. This is only his third season in the league. We're going to see this matchup a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm glad to see it. You know, I I think we've been lacking a true like um you know like gr- grudge, and I hope these guys can keep somewhat of a rivalry because I like seeing the uh, the best go against the best, and this I think that's what we're going to get. 100%. I can agree with that. But, you know, coming off of a big uh, Thanksgiving Day win against the Patriots, you know, and, you know, being able to score the amount of points they were against a Bill Belichick-led defense, I think that's going to bode well for the Minnesota Vikings. And I think that, you know, I got to go with my uh, my dark horse MVP contender that I said at the beginning of the season. I got to ride with oh, my boy Jesus. Kirk Cousins. Ride with Kirk Cousins. And I think that uh, he's going to, you know, have a good game against this Jets defense. And, you know, it's going to be a close game, but give me the Vikings by a field goal. Okay. I mean, it's fair. Kind of somewhat respect that. But um, the next game we we disagreed on, I think, uh, you know, we agreed on the Jags. I think Titans and Eagles. I think that one's going to be a very close game, a very, very close game. And the only, you know, the only point where I edge it out for the Titans is just that I don't trust, you know, the Eagles' uh, rush defense. I think – they're gonna have basically everything. They're 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 gonna have to pack a lunch for Derek Henry. They're gonna have to, you know, 
they're gonna have to put a couple bricks in their back pocket, man. Like that, this guy is going to be running it down their throats because that's what the Titans do. I mean, they they can run, they can run the football, and that's the only thing I thought the Eagles. You know, we saw them get someone exposed for that. They can't stop the run, but I got I got the Titans winning a very close game. I think it's gonna be by a field goal. You know, I wanted to pick the Titans in this game so bad because I think it's going to be an extremely close game. We know how good this Titans defense is, and we know that you know, they're, they're going to play that old-school smash-mouth football, run it down your throat until you don't like it anymore. Derrick Henry is going to have a great game, I can imagine. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. But the reason why I'm going to edge with the Eagles here is because they seem to have to, uh, you know, look, their rushing attack, you know, well, you can say that their rush defense isn't the best, but it seems as if their rushing attack, you know, now it's like the one-two punch of Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts. They absolutely thrashed the Green Bay Packers. And the Titans are a significantly yeah, better yeah. defense than the Green Bay Packers. But I think they're going to be able to run the ball effectively, maybe not quite as effective as the Titans are, but I trust Jalen Hurts as a passer more than I do Ryan Tannehill. And this is a revenge game for A.J. Brown. Coming back, you know, playing against his former team, the Titans, I think that he is primed to have a good game. And the way he's been talking smack on social media about the Titans all season, he has to have a good game. If he doesn't have a good game, oh God. it's not going to be looking good for him because he's been absolutely a trash talking the Titans all season, saying that they're missing him, they need him, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is your chance to back it up. And I have a, a sneaky feeling that he's going to have one of those dominant games where we're, you know, we're looking at, you know, hundred yards, you know, receiving two touchdowns type of thing. And I don't know if the Titans are going to be able to score enough to keep up with this Eagles, uh, this Eagles offense. I just don't know if they're going to be able to score enough points. That's why I have to lean to the Eagles here. I think it's gonna be a very close game, but give me like, give me the, the Eagles 27, 24. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about this um, almost. We've I, I'm sure we've we've covered this before. The Eagles are, you know, they, they they're rushing. It's one of the that's what got them to this point. How they can run the football, they run the football spectacularly. And that gives them, especially when you have a guy like AJ Brown, that can, who's playing absolutely great for the Eagles. When you have that run defense, it it gives AJ Brown a bit more looks, and he can go off for these crazy games, but. I think uh, the way to beat the Eagles is, uh, you know, beating them at what they're good at, running the football. And I think the Titans can have that little edge with Derrick Henry. I think I think they're going to be able to edge this out. Mm-hmm. It's going to be close. I mean, you know, I'm excited to watch that game because yeah. one of the main harps on the uh, the Eagles so far is that they haven't played tough games. They haven't played those, you know, games against quality opponents. Well, there's no doubt that the Tennessee Titans are a quality opponent that is playoff bound for sure. And they're going to do things in the playoffs. You know, I don't know how far they're going, but they're going to be someone you don't want to play in the playoffs type of thing. They're going to, they're, you know, they play smash mouth football. And I think based on what happens in this game, it's going to tell a lot for both teams. If the Titans are able to win this game and it's, it's time to start talking about them potentially as a more of a threat in the AFC than we're taking them now. And if the Eagles are able to really get a win here, it kind of proves themselves in a way that okay, this team this team can do something in the playoffs. They are able to do it against the really good teams. You know, they would have beaten the the Titans and they also they beat the Vikings earlier in the season as well. That's two good teams. 
you know, so we can't really say that the Eagles yeah. don't beat good teams and they can't get it can only uh they can't get it done against the best of the best. They're able to do this. They're able to stop Derrick Henry. I think that it it shows a lot about the character of this Eagles team. And are they going to magically go to the top of my rankings in terms of NFC uh, contenders for the Super Bowl? Not quite, but they're going to be closer uh, to my top than they were at least right now because right now I think it's uh the 49ers and the Cowboys kind of as the, the teams I believe in the most. But if the Eagles are able to get a win here, the, the Eagles might be sneaking up there. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I wasn't taking this team serious enough. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think um, the races between those three teams, I mean, I, I don't mind wherever anybody ranks them, you know, Eagles, Cowboys, or 49ers. I think those are the three teams that are they're there. You know, those, yeah. those are the guys that we're I expecting agree. to – one of those guys to get out. But uh, how, whatever order you want to put them in, I don't really mind. We're gonna see how it all turns out. Very not 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 too long. Yeah, hundred percent. But you know the, the next the next game, other than that, you know, maybe to touch upon Browns Texans, it's gonna be fun to see Deshaun uh, Watson back against his old team. It's gonna be kind of, it's kind of fun. Yeah, you know, I think he's gonna play well. Uh, hopefully, we might see a little bit of rust get knocked off, but I think uh, they'll do enough to win. The Browns have been pretty pretty decent without him. They haven't been horrible. Yeah, you know, and then we got Broncos Ravens. You know, I mean, the only thing I talk about that, no one showed up to my boy. You know, Danger <laughs> Witch. They didn't show up to my boy's birthday, bro. Half the team showed up to my dude's birthday. What is this, bro? And I, this is something I wanted to even like, um, kind of go a little bit off. Like at this point, you know, uh, Russell Wilson has almost com- like completely lost the locker room. What do you do with Russell Wilson? If you were the Broncos front office, what do you even do with them? Because is it salvageable? Because just I I can't really see where Russell Wilson can win this locker room back just because of how he carries himself, how he gives off this arrogance that he's he's bigger than the team, that he's you know, he's too he has his own office in the stadium. Like mm-hmm. this is a guy that that seems to put a, a bit, a, a, you know, a gap between him and his teammates to where that he's not a teammate. He's a executive. He's a coach. He's a sophisticated mind. That's not like the other ones, other players, but you know, what, what do you, where do you go from here? Like, you know, that it's getting to the point to where he's lost, you know, there's been insiders say he's lost at least already half the locker room. What do you do? Well, I I think the Broncos are in a really bad spot because they've pretty much they've given away their their whole future to get this guy. You know they have they've given away draft picks, they've given away pretty much everything to get this guy, and they thought he was going to be the guy to lead them forward. I mean, quite frankly, I did as well. Nobody expected him to be this bad, <laughs> and I did as well. It, it's one of those things like nobody expected this, but now that you're here and you're in this situation. I saw something that they they realistically don't have a, a chance to get out of this contract until 2026 because of the way that it's structured and pretty much like you, you no one's going to trade for them and you can't cut them because you're still going to be paying them all of this money and you know you, you can't there's no benefit to cutting them you know you realistically they don't have a chance to get out of this contract uh until 2026 so it's going to be I, you're kind of stuck in my opinion with this contract you don't really have much you can do. It's one of those things. I think you have to change the coach. I think you have to try everything to, to, to change something, but you can't get rid of Russ just because of how, you know, you've already committed all this money and the way that you structured the contract, you can't really get out of it. 
you have to find a way to try to make this work. And I don't, I don't care what you do, but the first thing, unfortunately for Nathaniel Hackett, it's going to be, you're going to have to get rid of him and you're going to have to, even though he hasn't been playing like, you know, the old Russ, you're going to have to continue to try to put pieces around him that can make him better. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate in a certain, to a certain extent, because you know, you, you like myself included, I expected the Broncos to be a playoff team as currently constructed this season. They are obviously far from that. And are free agents even going to want to come play for this Broncos team? You know, what would be some of what we've been seeing? I don't know. I wouldn't. But they're going to have to do something and they're going to have to try to find a way. And they're going to, in my, in my opinion, that it starts first thing. You change the coach, you try to get some free agents, and then you look forward next season. You know, you give, you, you try to find a way to get Russ to be more comfortable and, and turn it into the old Russ. But in my opinion, the Broncos are just pretty much screwed. They're pretty much they've locked themselves into a corner, and there's nothing they can do, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you on all that. But, they're they're stuck with Russ, and they just gotta cross their fingers and hope it gets better. I saw this question being posed today, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Obviously, with no stats or anything like that, but just off the cuff, um, there was talks about potentially based on how bad this season has been going for Russell Wilson that he has played himself out of the Hall of Fame. You know, everyone thought this guy, Russell Wilson, was a surefire first bout. Not even not first bout, but he was going to be a Hall of Famer. But there's, there's reports mm-hmm. now that he might not even be making the Hall of Fame, you know, when his career is all said and done. Based on what his career is looking like, the direction that it's going and how bad it's going to be. But basically, my point is, ha- has Russell Wilson and will he continue to play himself out of the Hall of Fame? What do, what do you think about that? <sighs> It's it's tough to say. I think it's a bit too early to to really have that conversation. It's the same thing that you know. Speaking of uh, you know of Russ's Russell Westbrook, you know, like, this is probably the same thing I, I have with him. Uh, how bad he's played. Is he not a Hall of Famer? Is he a Hall of Famer? I think for what he did in Seattle, you know, Legion of Boom. I think it depends. I think the, the thing I could probably compare it to is like uh, maybe a bit of uh, Eli Manning. If you think Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer then you probably would have to say Russ is a Hall of Famer. But um I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't jump to say that say that yet just because you know it, it is one season. This is his first true true full season that we're starting to see that this humongous drop off. But I don't think um the NFL Hall of Fame is pretty difficult. It's probably the most difficult Hall of Fame to get into. But uh I don't know. It's 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 tough to say right now. I right at this moment I would say no, but you know, uh, to uh, another season from now we could be having a different conversation. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. To be honest, you know, and the perfect comparison for me, and this is what they said on the show where where I kind of got this question from was Eli Manning. If you think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer, you're going to think that Russell Wilson is still going to be a Hall of Famer, and I think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. You know, outside of the I two Super debatable. Bowl runs. Outside of the two Super Bowl runs that Eli Manning had, you know, his stats weren't the best. He wasn't the best quarterback in the world. But based on what he did to win those two Super Bowls, you ha- you got to have him in the Hall of Fame. He beat the, the undefeated Patriots I, team, you know. I think you got to have him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, but it's tough to say. I mean, speaking of Eli Manning, was Eli Manning ever the best quarterback in the league? Was he ever the best quarterback in the league? No. No. It's And it's but, but to me, that's hard Wilson. to – 
I mean, there. I mean, I feel like it, Russell Wilson was a little bit more of a debate. At, at, there's certain points where it was a bit of a debate. I think there was never really a debate. Is Eli Manning the best quarterback in the league? It, was he, you know, good? I mean, he's led the league so many times in interceptions, Eli Manning. But um, I mean, I think it's close. I'm not gonna throw my hands up and start riding Eli, you know, no. about either or, you know, that he, oh, he's a Hall of Famer, he's not a Hall of Famer, you know. It, it's 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 somewhat close. It's, it's a conversation to have, but uh, with with Russ, you know, I think uh, I think Russ is better than Eli. So I, I would say, you know, yeah, if you have Eli in the Hall of Fame, Russ has to be in the Hall of Fame, even if he turns into like uh, you know Zach Wilson or something. You know, speaking of the you know the Wilson, you know the Wilsons, man, like Jesus, what's going on? It's just cursed. But yeah. um, yeah, but. Well, but, yeah, I'll, I'll I, I would say, I, I would say like Russell Wilson, with what he was able to do for Seattle, you know, let's not forget how good those Seattle Seahawks teams were. You know what I mean? The they should have had, they should have had another Super Bowl ring. You know, and but this is also something that can be used against Russell Wilson. The most memorable moment of Russell Wilson's career is throwing a game losing interception in the Super Bowl. That's the most memorable moment of his career. I think that's a play calling mistake, though. But yeah. I think it was as well. But but you can't go back and change the play calling. The most memorable moment of Russell Wilson's career was was an interception. I think that's never going to bode well, especially given the fact that you look at how loaded those Seahawks teams were. The fact that they were only able to get the one championship. You got the champion. You got the championship, and you, you know you got to tip your cap because it's not easy to win a Super Bowl in this league. We have seen many great teams not even win a Super Bowl. But, you know, you should have got more. But with that being said, I think the, the level that Russell Wilson was able to play at for a, for a long time with the Seahawks team, I think he has, you know, cemented himself. He, like, before this season, it wasn't even a conversation. Russell Wilson was going to be a Hall of Famer. I think it's unfair to Russell Wilson just now, based on having one bad season with a brand new team in a new, new uh, city, new everything. He's having one bad season. And now we're saying he's not a Hall of Famer. I think it's a bit harsh, in my opinion. Now, if Russ continues to play, uh, let's just say he plays out the rest of his contract until 2026, which would be three more seasons, and the, and the Broncos are this bad every single season, and Russ is continuing to be this bad, then, okay, we can have this debate. you know, Because then at that point, it's was Russ a system quarterback? You know, We're having a lot more conversations you know, about was Russ just overrated? Was yeah. Pete Carroll a genius to get all of this out of him? Was he carried by Legion of Boom, Pete the Carroll. defense? You can have a lot of those more conversations, but I think you got to pump the brakes. If Russell Wilson retires today after the season, which obviously he's not doing, if he retires right now, he's going in the Hall of Fame. That That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I would agree on that, yeah. You know? Oh, well, you know, that, that probably ends our little harp on, you know, the Russell Wilson debacle. Yeah. But moving into the, the next marquee game and what I said, the game I'm most excited for, Dolphins 49ers. I want to get your first uh, first thoughts on it before I give my thought on it. Well, for me, this is the game of the week. This is the, the game I'm circling. You know, even, as a Dolphins fan, of course, I'm circling it. But even as a neutral, this is the game you have to watch. This it's is awesome, going to be... This is I this is football eye candy. This is like two supermodels going at it. You know, this is this is this is genius. This is Mike <laughs> McDaniel and Tua. And you got this Kyle Shanahan led offense, which has been lighting the league up right now. I think this is gonna be a fantastic game. 
you know, the 49ers are coming into this four point favorites, which I think is fair given the fact that, you know, they're at home. And, you know, if anyone is going to be able to stop this 49ers or this Dolphins offense, it's going to be the 49ers. A, Mike McDaniel learned to be a head coach and he learned his whole life from Kyle Shanahan. This is, this is master versus apprentice. And, you know, a lot of the times you got to lean towards the master, but you know, this Dolphins offense is looking so, so lethal. Tua is playing out of his mind. If anyone's going to stop this, this lethal offense, it's going to be this 49ers number one ranked defense in the NFL. They only give up 15.7 points per game. You know, at, for me, this game comes down to the Dolphins offense versus the 49ers defense. Who is able to win this matchup? This is where this game is going to be decided because ultimately the Dolphins, they might not have the best defense in the league by any stretch of the imagination. It's getting better but it's not great. And the 49ers, they have a solid offense, you know, but ultimately Jimmy G, you know, he's been doing good, but he's not the best quarterback in the league by any stretch of the imagination. And this offense is getting better, but it's not the best offense in the league. So I think those kind of cancel out per se. Whoever is able to stop the other one in terms of the offense versus the defense, that's where this matchup is going to be decided. And I have to lean towards the Miami Dolphins. I think that Mike McDaniel, he's coming in with the right attitude. He said in the post-game or the pre-game press conferences that, you know, he's looking at this just like any other game. He's not looking at this as like, you know, I got to go out there and beat Kyle Shanahan because he's the one that taught me everything. He's not looking at it like that. This is just another game. It's just another another Sunday. And this Dolphins offense has managed to score 30-plus points in four consecutive games. That is something that this Dolphins team has only done four times in their history. Their history. So this is this is not something that you see every day, and this is a lethal offense. And for me, I am always going to choose, you know, this Dolphins offense against any defense. I think right now in the league, any defense, and you know, this is the, the true test for me because this is, you know, even though some would argue the Cowboys have the best defense in the league, statistically speaking, it's the 49ers. It's so the, for me, yeah, 49ers and Cowboys, give or take. Yeah, and I, and I think it's 1A, 1B. You know, who's better? It's, it's very yeah. close. But give me the Dolphins offense to be able to find a way to get this done. You know, because I trust Tua based on the way he's been playing. I think that he's going to be able to exploit the, the, the weaknesses in the defense, if, even if there are any. You know, I think he's going to be able to find a way to get it done. And ultimately, I just don't think Jimmy G is going to make enough plays to keep this 49ers team in it. We have seen... When the 49ers played a dynamic offense like the Kansas City Chiefs, they pretty, they lost by 20 points. You know, it, 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 to be honest, by the time the fourth quarter came around, the game was over against the Chiefs. I think it's going to yeah, be a very and, similar. And, and the Chiefs aren't this, you know, you know Chiefs aren't transcendent on the de- defensive. There's, they're, they're a solid defensive team, but they're not the Cowboys. They're not exactly. the 49ers. You know, you can, you know, you can compare that to the Dolphins. I think very much so because they're not. They have a, a transcendent offense. But their defense is, is is not bad, but it's not good. Pretty similar. And mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't I don't think Tua is, is you know necessarily Patrick Mahomes necessarily in the way that you know Matt Mahomes at the end of the day is the best quarterback in the NFL. But I think give me the Dolphins being able to get this win, probably not by the twenty points like the Chiefs, but probably uh, by a touchdown or ten points in my opinion. Yeah. As much. As I like to see you suffer, and I like to see your teams lose, I gotta back the the Miami Dolphins. Born in Aaliyah, three hundred five. 
I got to back the Dolphins. Usually in, a, in a, every other sport, I'm always Miami. This one, this football, I'm a little bit more of the Bucks, A little bit maybe because of Tom Brady. But I just like what this Dolphins team is made out of. And I think this is be their, their biggest test of the year. And we're going to learn a lot from this game to see if they are legit or the pretenders. Because I think the 49ers are good enough to be the Super Bowl. This could be, you know, a Super Bowl matchup. And these guys could easily meet the Super Bowl. With the 49ers, they, I mean, they're how hot they are, they deserve to be favorites. But I'm going to trust in the fact that the Dolphins have the best receiver in the game, Tyree Kill, and to also pair him up with Jalen Waddell. I think, and to have Tua playing like a top five quarterback. I trust, even going against this defense, that they're they're going to be able to figure out the score, and they're going to we're going to see something similar to what the Chiefs did, not by twenty, but like you said, I got them winning by ten, and you know it. We're going to see Dolphins be pushed, and this is going to be you know like I said, a huge test to see how legit are these Miami Dolphins because if they can beat the this 49ers team that looked like they could fire. Jimmy G is looking like, you know, like Peyton Manning. Like, he's looking good. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, if we if we can see the Dolphins do what they do, I mean, they're undefeated when Tua starts and finishes games. They're still undefeated with, with, with that stat. And Tua's been playing great. It's going to be, you know, it's going to speak volumes about this Dolphins team. I mean, I can 100% agree. This might be an early Super Bowl preview. You know, it, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to say that. And this definitely is the biggest test that the Dolphins have had. You know, I would say it's going to be, uh, because of the storylines, it's it's such an intriguing matchup. It's a, it's a huge test on paper. But then the fact that it's, you know, McDaniel comes from the from comes from San Francisco. You know, he learned from, Shannon, from yeah, learned learn from Shanahan. There's so much more that goes into this matchup, and you know, they call the Dolphins the the 49ers of the South. You know, that's what they call them. They say yeah. that, that this is like the the B Tech 49ers to a certain extent because of the way they run the offense and all of that. I think that McDaniel in one season has turned this Dolphins uh, franchise around, and it, this is the game that is going to prove whether or not the Dolphins are as good as I think they are, Super Bowl contenders, or are they just a playoff team? And after this game, we're going to have to visit this conversation again, and we're going to be saying, oh, I already think it, but we're going to be 100% proven in saying it, that the Dolphins are Super Bowl contenders. You know, they have a very, very good chance at coming out of the AFC. The Dolphins are undefeated when Tua starts and finishes a game, and I expect that to continue. There is no reason for me to believe that Tua can't find a way to beat this 49ers defense. It's great, but great offense is always able to find a way to beat great defense. You know, you're going to give the Dolphins enough chances to figure you out and figure out and make adjustments. Give me Mike McDaniel. He's an offensive genius. He's going to find a way to get it done. Give me, I trust the running backs. I trust Tyree Kill, like you said. I trust Jalen Waddle. I think the Dolphins have enough weapons that this 49ers defense. They're not going to be able to double team anyone. They're not going to. They're going to have to play man to man, and you can't play like that against the Dolphins for a full forty eight minutes and expect or a full sixty minutes. It's, it's sixty. It's because of fifteen minute quarters. You can't play like that against the Dolphins for sixty minutes 
and expect to be able to hold them to 24 points or something like that. I find it hard to believe that this is going to be the case. I expect the Dolphins to score 30 plus in another consecutive game. Would be, I think it might be pushing a franchise record if they do it again. And that's what I expect to happen. I don't see the 49ers being able to stop this defense or stop this offense. I mean, that's a thought. Yeah. <clears throat> I would absolutely agree. And I think uh, this this plays a big role in, uh, you know, Tua's MVP, uh, you know, MVP running. Because if he gets a convincing win over the 49ers that are hot right now, I mean, you're talking about a team that's four point favorites over you, you get a convincing win over, you know, he's, he's right now duking it out Patrick Mahomes for MVP. But this would definitely help us. This would help his case a lot. And you know, you know, the voters, they love a story. They they, they love do. a good story. And I, I was, th- this would be, uh, you know, th- th- this would be an, a n- nice little, you know, another chapter to add to that, you know. And yeah, no, I 100% it's gonna, agree. It's going to be know. interesting. It's going to be must watch. I can't, I can't wait to watch this. I can't wait. It is going to be. It's the matchup of the weekend. There's so many good matchups this this Sunday, but that is the one for me that that I'm. Oof, it's going to be one of those ones. I was surprised, you know, that you picked and, the and Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. I expected you to pick the 49ers. Uh, yeah, as, as yeah, as much as I'd like to see you uh, see you suffer, but you know, I got deep down, I got to back. You know, the my my Miami teams, I got to back them up. But it is it is kind of interesting to talk about. That is, you know, we both picked that as a must see. Must see game of the week, and we have the Chiefs Bengals having a rematch of the AFC Championship game, which also disagreed on. And I wanted to, uh, you know, I'll give you the floor again to give your opinions on this game. You know, I think that this is going to be a fantastic game. And once again, when I was over here trying to pick who I had winning this game, it, you could flip a coin. It's going to be tough because the Bengals they're they're playing really good football right now. They're playing their best football right now. And you could say the same about the Chiefs to a certain extent. So this is two football teams at their peak going at it, you know, and I just think, you know, even though Joe Burrow is playing electric football right now, he's he's coming off of a big win against the Tennessee Titans. I trust Andy Reid. I trust Patrick Mahomes. And ultimately, I don't think the Bengals have an answer for Travis Kelsey. I, I think that's where this game is going to kind of get turned on its head to a certain extent. I don't think the Bengals have an answer to stop the fright train that is Travis Kelsey right now. And ultimately, you know, they have a couple injuries. You know, the Bengals, they they might not have Joe Mixon, you know, and he's questionable right now. As of right now, we don't know if he's going to play. If Joe Mixon plays, it definitely helps their chances. But if he doesn't, it's going to be tough to beat the Chiefs without your number one rusher. It's going to be tough, you know, and... We don't know if Jamar Chase is going to be back. You know, he could be, could not be. It's all up in the air. I think all things considered like that, plus the fact the Chiefs, they've won five in a row. You know, I just think Mahomes is able to get it done once again. I Like, it's just so difficult to stop this this Chiefs team right now. Mahomes is playing potentially his best football of his career. You know, he's able to spread this football out to everybody. You know, you look at Valdez Scantling, Juju. He's able to get the ball to so many different guys. And he is playing such good football that I find it hard to believe that the Bengals will be able to stop this Chiefs team enough. You know, will will they be able to get the defensive stops enough times to win this game? And I just, I, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine a scenario in my head when they do. I just think. It, I find it hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes right now based on how good he's playing. You know, 
And that's my main reasoning for picking the Chiefs here. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, I think it's going to be a very, very close game. <clears throat> but this game comes down to the fact that I can give you that this so far this season, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league over their whole duration. But if we're, we're talking about one game, one individual game, give me Joseph Lee Burrow. I love Joe Stacy in these moments because this is what this game is. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be um, advertised as the rematch of the AFC championship game. And I think, Joe Burrow is going to take this game, and he's going to take it over. He's going to he's going to take this a lot. I, I feel like he's going to take this a lot more seriously than what the Chiefs would take it, because Chiefs are on a, a bit of a win streak, and I think they do a loss. I think it's just how how I how I see things when I see teams with long win streaks. You know, when it starts to get you know to the point to where Chiefs are on a five game win streak, I think they do a loss, and the team to do it. I believe is the Bengals. And I think Joe Burrow, even, you know, with, with some of the, you know, um, uh, Mixon or Jamar chase, they, they were able to, um, to, to beat the Titans without Jamar chase. And I think they're, he's, they're going to be able, they're going to be able to squeeze this one out. Is it going to be, you know, a very pretty game? I don't know, but I think they're going to do just enough to, you know, not completely. No one's going to stop Kelsey. I mean, there's just like, sh- there's nothing you really do to stop. Uh, Kelsey's gonna get you know, Kelsey's gonna get what he wants, but it's just about can is is everybody else gonna be you know on the same wavelength? And I and I think they just do a loss. So I'm gonna go if I'm picking somewhat of an upset. I'm going with the Bengals. Yeah, you know, like uh, obviously we saw in the AFC Championship game, you know, the Bengals were able to get the better of the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, to much uh, people's surprise, you know, my surprise, I would say. Um, you know, I don't think we expected it at the time. I think, you know, to a certain extent, you know, you're never going to be able to get revenge per se because it's it's a, a regular yeah, season yeah, game versus the AFC game. Championship game. It's not quite getting your revenge, but I think that the Chiefs, they want to, in a way, get their revenge and, and, and take it out, you know, because, you know, Patrick Mahomes has a bad taste in his mouth about playing the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, and he, he, Travis Kelsey, he's got a little bit, a bit of a bad taste in his mouth. And you know, when you've got guys like Travis Kelsey, when you got guys like Patrick Mahomes and then Andy Reid being the coach, they, they, they've probably circled this game and said, we want to come out and we want to smack this team against the ground. We want to pummel them. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see. I think that the chiefs have had this one circled. And I think they're not overlooking it, you know, to a certain extent, like you might have hinted at. I think that they they want this game bad. And, and, and if they do lose this game, it's gonna be you know time to, to you know just say, do the Bengals have the Chiefs number? You know, they, they just they have their number. I wouldn't go as far to say that, but you know, I I I just think in this instant we're looking at, you know, just a regular season game. Chiefs already look like they're they're asserting themselves as the best team in the AFC. But I think in just a one-off game, you know, just regular season, I think I think uh, the Bengals are going to be looking at this a bit differently. And, you know, and because, yeah. yeah. And this game is also important for both teams in terms of the playoffs. 
you know, the Bengals are trying to keep pace with the Ravens and, and win their division. They're both on the same record right now. And for the the Chiefs, they're trying to stay one game ahead of both the Dolphins and the Bills in terms of keeping the number one seed in the AFC. Getting the number one seed is so uh, vital because it's it not only clinches you home field throughout the whole playoffs, but it gives you that first round buy. And that first round buy is crucial. And, you know, ever since they've switched the playoff format to get rid of two teams having the first round by, it becomes so much more important to get the number one seed. And, you know, based on, you know, how it's all kind of played out, the Chiefs, they've, they've given themselves that lead, you know, to have a, a, a one game lead over both the, uh, the Dolphins and the Bills to get the number one seed. But, you know, they, they fall, you know, they, they have to keep pace is basically the point that I'm getting at here. They cannot afford to lose a game if they want to truly win, get this number one seed. They have to pretty much continue to win and win and win because, you know, we both picked the Dolphins this week. We both picked the Bills this week. We're both expecting them to continue on and, and forge ahead. The Chiefs are also going to have to do the same if they want to get the number one seed. And it's so important for the Chiefs to be at home in the playoffs because Arrowhead is such a difficult stadium to play in. Yeah, Not many teams are able to come to Arrowhead and get a win. Obviously, we we just saw the Bengals do it last season, which was remarkable. But if you're betting money, you're not betting money on a team coming into Arrowhead and being able to get it done like that. It's just they're not easy to do. It's one of the most difficult stadiums in the league to play in. So for the Chiefs, they have to continue to take every game extremely seriously like it's must win. Because you've got red hot teams like the Dolphins that are on your tail. As soon as you slip up, you know, if the, if the Chiefs lose, now they're on the same record with the Dolphins, and the Dolphins might have the, the tiebreaker that puts them in the number one seed. And I'm sure the Dolphins would love to have that number one seed, you know, home field advantage. And, Dude, and, you know, I, so. But weirdly enough, I I looked it up. Um, this came up super a little off topic. Just how the stadium is built in Miami is literally like to the detriment of away teams yeah, of how like they have it. Yeah, how they have it built to where. You know, they, they have like um, the glare of the sun always pointing at like the, the sideline to the away team. I remember, I think they, the last, even like a couple games ago, was uh, the yeah. away team was like 100 and I believe 110 degrees, 100 and, uh, 105. Right, well, yeah. the, the Dolphins was 83. It, it, it's because how they designed the same. I was like, oh my, I, I, when I saw it, I never realized that. I was like, holy yeah. shit. It's, it's like a, it's that's like crazy. A, a, it's like a legal way of, of giving it's yourself a, a real home yeah, field advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like uh, legalizing true home field advantage. And I thought that was crazy. And but, it's um, one of those things that that particular home field advantage might not quite have the, first of all, we haven't had meaningful games in January for the Miami Dolphins in, in years. So we've never quite seen that into effect, but I don't know how hot it is. Like compared to when the NFL season first starts, it's I know for a fact it's not going to be as hot in January as it is in like what September or whatever. But yeah. regardless of that, it's still somewhat hot and it still gives them that advantage. The point is the, the Dolphins would love to have home field advantage in Buffalo, if they're able to, you know, oh God. win the AFC, they would love to have home field advantage, especially in the winter time. I mean not the snow. Nope. Nobody wants to go to Buffalo when it's snowing. And that's what might happen. So all three of these teams, you know, whether it's the Dolphins, whether it's uh the Chiefs or the Bills, they all would all love to have home field oh, one advantage. Sec, one sec. Oh shit. I spilled water on my computer, bro. <laughs> shit. That's, that's not good. That is not good. Hold on. I think 
Good good thing we don't have too much to go left because I, I'm I almost I was like there's no way, but okay. But yeah, pr- pretty much I, I would just say that it, this is a very crucial game for both sides, and it's one of those things. It's going to be so close, and I just I find it hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes in games like this. But you know, Joe Burrow proved me wrong last season, and he might do the same here today or on well, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. But you know, I got, I got, um, I got the Bengals in that one. Yeah. But I think that that almost wraps up everything we we had written down. I believe if I'm not missing anything. Yeah, well, yeah, we we even got into a couple games that we didn't even have written down. You know, so you got a little bit yeah. of extra preview. You know, in there. Yeah, a little bit. You know, had had to go down the uh, Russell Wilson rabbit hole. Yeah, and, and also the Jets. You know, so yeah, wasn't. That was, that was completely off the cuff. Obviously, you know, I, I can't wait to kind of watch these games and also, you know, come on here and, and you know, either way they go and, and talk about, you know, what, what we saw. Obviously, we will be doing that. Along with what we talked about earlier in the episode, you know, with all these World Cup knockout games coming soon, uh, it's going to be exciting to see how those play out. So there's a lot of big things coming soon. Obviously, this episode was very much so a, a preview episode we know we previewed a lot of knockout stage games and we previewed a lot of nfl games coming this sunday and it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out and personally i I just can't wait for the episodes coming next and i think we're going to have another episode where we do our full knockout stage predictions and talk about you know these last final group stage games and how you know these groups finish out and then we'll be able to talk about our knockout stage predictions but then i can't wait to talk about who goes through between the United States and the Netherlands and in Argentina and Australia and England, how that, how that uh, goes. And then also, you know, these NFL games, how does the 49ers Dolphins finish and mm-hmm. how does the Chiefs Bengals finish? I think it's going to be, you know, not only critical games, but it's going to be fun to watch and fun to talk about. Yeah. And uh, we're definitely going to be cranking up a little bit more of contact, especially with how sports is going around, f- football's going off and the world cup's going off. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're probably by the time with this recording, it's probably be up what Thursday. We're probably yeah. going to be recording again that following Friday yeah. for uh, for that video, and then we might be working on a video Sunday night. So, because we're trying to cover everything, we we want to uh, get our words out before we let too much time pass between games, and not to mention probably that after that Sunday, we're we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna probably upload another episode for. Probably a week, just because we're going on vacation for a week. We'll still be active on social media. We'll probably still be giving out. So clips will still be coming out. Yeah. But a full episode, we we probably won't get one until after the twelfth. Yeah, probably the thirteenth of that week in December. Is yeah, when we'll be fully back uh, back to what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. We'll have the uh, we'll have it kind of scheduled. You know, so that right before we leave on the trip, we drop an episode so that the the whole trip, you know, we can still post the clips like we kind of always do and get that content out. But obviously, it'll be nice to get on vacation. You know, so. Yeah. Got to go to Virginia, bro. It's going to be good. It's going to be cold over there. It is. It's going to be extremely cold. You know, <laughs> this is off topic, but as I was recording or as I was uploading the, the episodes to Spotify and the RSS, you know, uh, we were immediately getting downloads from Virginia. 
it, it was funny. <laughs> Ashburn, they Virginia. were camping. They're, one, they're, one of they're our camping. I don't know who it is, but to me, I, I I thought it was Will maybe, but I don't know where he lives exactly. But I'm like, who who from Ashburn, I, I Virginia like, is, is downloading our? Who, whoever you? whoever from Ashburn, Virginia downloaded something, please hit me up. I'd like to speak to you. Just like to speak to you. You know, I I like to know exactly which episodes you you uh you downloaded. It could be episodes where I probably didn't every, exist. It was every single one. What? Yeah, oh, every, oh. He, he downloaded every single one. Dude, I I, I need I need to find out who this guy is. I need to, I need like, to know. A, he's a number one fan. I got I gotta know who this is. Just you know, is he is he either a super fan or is he a super hater? Does he want us? You know, does he want to succeed or does he, he just hate us? He just wants to. Uh, you know, he's hey, one hey, of those he, haters. I don't know. He, I want to know. Way. I'm curious because I've way. never downloaded. I've never downloaded a thing off Spotify in my whole life. Yeah, this guy's downloaded everything. <laughs> so I just I just gotta know. I gotta know. Either way, whether you're the super hater or the super fan, we appreciate the support, and that goes for everybody. We've been running it up on all the social media platforms, like we said at the beginning of the episode. And right now, as as things stand, we're at uh, 354 subscribers. We are continuing to slowly but surely climb the ladder and, and get to uh, our overall goal of you know that that big 1,000 number. So if you're still around at this point in the episode, which you know there's probably not that many, if any, hit that subscribe button down below. You know it, it's free. You know why not? You Help know what the, I mean? the, the YouTube algorithm out just a little bit. You know it doesn't doesn't hurt. It doesn't it hurt. Free. You know what I mean? It's it free. Is. Even even though you know my partner here doesn't like to do it for all these other channels, you know, do it for us. <laughs> uh, dude, that, I like video. It just has to, you know, a certain type of like different. I'm just a bit lazy, man. I don't know. I just, I'm like, I, I don't like things on Instagram either. I don't. I just don't like stuff. You're just a lazy bum. I I can enjoy what I'm watching, but like. It's, it's not, it sounds like I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of an asshole now, but like it's just I don't really like take the extra second, which I'm trying to change now because ever since I got into making content, I realized how inconsiderate it, it, it kind of yeah. is. You know, you're just not taking the second to just like something. But uh, we we we're all we're all not perfect, man. We all gotta make some changes and start being better at things. That is true, you know, hundred percent. But. You know, with all that being said, uh, with unless you've got any final words, you know, I think it's time to wrap this one up. No, yeah, I think I got everything I have today. Well, with all that being said, we appreciate everyone for tuning into episode 31 of the Shooter Straight Podcast. You know, we're going to be pumping out the rest of the episodes coming this week, you know, very, very soon, episode 32. It, it, to be honest, it's, it's coming in like a day, a day and a half, you know, so it's coming very, very soon. <laughs> About so a day, yeah. Be excited. Y'all can be excited it'll, probably for that. it'll be probably up Saturday. Yeah, it'll no, it'll be up Saturday. on Saturday, yeah. So, you know, you got that looking forward yeah. to. And, you know, with all that being said, we appreciate all the all the support. And this was episode 31 of the Shooter Straight Podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach. I'm your co-host, G. And we will see y'all next time, man. Peace. <laughs>